It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live.
All right, good evening all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 16th of March, 2015, and uh, it is Monday evening. That's when it is where you're at. We are, in fact, live. And that means you can participate in the show. That is the difference between live and Memorex get to participate in live show. Go to theamericanvoice.com or American Voice Radio. And chat with the other chatters in there or ask questions, make comments, whatever. But you can participate in the show that way. You can also call in 855-566-3738. See how easy that is? I've even got it memorized now. So how hard can it be if I've got it memorized? 855-566-3738. Anyway, there you go. There you have it. There it is. And, uh, well, with that, you... Uh, that is, uh, of course, I know. <laughs> People are joking out there already saying, well, yeah, I should see it. There. Well, yeah. Anyway, I'm trying to do something. <laughs> Multitasking, and uh, it isn't working out for me. I have succeeded. All right, so, all right, let's get on to some stuff here. Stuff and hello to everybody in the chat room that's there already. Oh, the uh, wonderful grand old party. Yeah, yeah, this is a grand old party, all right. You know, these guys, man, everybody thought, oh, this is going to be great. This. Going to get this, uh, get the House back. Well, we're going to get a bigger majority in the House. We're going to get the Senate back. It's going to be great. We're going to show that Obama all right. Well, really? How's that working out so far? Hey, by the way, you know, it's really, really sad. But, you know, you've heard others say it, but it's really true. Democrats are damaging. They really are damaging, but most of their policies and their ideas are so far, uh, you know, out there that people just, you know, they think they're a joke and they don't really take them seriously. And, yeah, they are damaging. I mean, look at Obamacare. But Obamacare may not survive, all right? I mean, Obamacare is so ridiculously flawed that it really might not survive. Those of you who are not aware about what's going on, you know, there is a Supreme Court case right now about Obamacare. And it's not, oh, is it unconstitutional or this or that, because they've already ruled. Well, of course it is, because it's not health care. It's a tax, okay? Even though the Democrats swore to you, this isn't a tax. This isn't a tax. This isn't a tax. Oh, the Supreme Court says, but, but 
it is a tax because the only way it will stay is if it is a tax. So, of course, the Democrats swallow that and say, oh, it's a tax. Yeah, it's a tax. That's right. Well, there's a problem beyond that. And the fact of the matter is, and here's how it really goes, and I've read some of the arguments that are just devoid of the facts. No, really, there's people, and, and really, I guess if the facts are what they are and they're against you and you don't like them, I guess all you can do is lie and make up things. Okay? You know, I mean, really. Because the fact of the matter is, Congress's intent, their intention, the way they wrote this thing was that every state create its own exchange, as they call it. You know, a state-run exchange. And I think there's, what, uh, 13 states actually did it. 37 did not. But that's where your state sets up a place for you to go buy, you know, health insurance from, you know, that's required by the government. This is what Congress wanted every state to do. And to try to ensure that every state did that, they did a little carrot and stick thing, okay, like they always do. They do it with the road money. And, you know, this is the odd thing is that the – proponents of Obamacare are saying, well, uh, you know, that's not what they meant. They couldn't have meant what it says because what it says is ridiculous and they they couldn't have meant that. It must have just been a mistake. They must have wrote it down wrong. They didn't write it down wrong because they do this all the time. This is how they run things because this is how the Supreme Court has told them they must run things. They cannot go out, okay? Here's something you may or may not know. The federal government cannot go to every state in the union and say, hey, listen here, we've decided and we've passed a law that says everybody's got to get health insurance, and we've decided that you all, every state in the union, is going to do one of these exchanges, and you're going to sell insurance to your people in your state because we've decided. You know what? The Supreme Court has ruled that Congress does not have that authority. The president does not have that authority. Nobody in the federal government has that authority. So how does the federal government go about getting the states to do stuff they want them to do that the states may not want to do? Carrot and stick. Pay money. They bribe them or they withhold funds. That's their way. And in New York versus New, uh, New York versus U.S., the Supreme Court told, they, they gave the guidelines. They're the ones that told the federal government, look, you can do this, but you can't just march in and tell them, hey, this is how it's going to be. You're going to do this, that, and the other thing. But you can go in and say, you know, we'd like you to do this, and if you do... We got this big pile of money over here. And if you don't, you know all that money you've been getting? Forget about it. Yeah, and that's how they do things. Well, now Obamacare 
is written exactly the same way, except they went one step further. Because really, there's nothing that they could, there's nothing really they had over the states in healthcare because it, it's a new thing. They never had any authority over people's health care before. So they decided, okay, we'll get the people of the states to put the, the screws to their state legislators. And how they did that was they said, okay, if you buy your insurance through a state exchange, you, if you are low income or even lower income or even medium income, you may be eligible for a subsidy. And the poorer you are, the more of a subsidy you get. Because you see, the one thing that Obamacare promised to do is the one thing that the opposite happened, which they said, well, premiums would go down. Health insurance would become cheaper because more people would be buying it, right? Remember that? Well, that's not what's happened for some unknown reason. Oh, I know what the unknown reason is. It's because the insurance companies want the money. So you want to go get one of these Obama plans, that they said, well, here's your three choices or whatever. Well, okay. Well, uh, you know, let's see. I'll, uh, you know, I'll take the gold plan for eight hundred, Alex. You know, I mean, eight hundred, eight hundred dollars. Well, a lot of people they they barely make eight hundred dollars a month. Okay. If you're on part-time minimum wage, you're not even making nine hundred a month. Oh, but wait, on on part-time you don't have oh yes you do you gotta buy your own sorry so you'll have to get another job just to afford the insurance oh but don't worry it's okay because you see if you're buying your insurance through a state exchange you're eligible for a subsidy which means oh well you know you're okay part-time minimum wage so uh Seven hundred dollars. Uh, we'll give you seven hundred dollars subsidy, meaning you'll pay a hundred dollars a month. That sounds great. Everybody likes that, except you see, Congress said, but that only applies to state exchanges, not the federal exchange, because you see, they didn't want people doing that. They didn't want the states doing that. They wanted every state to get their own exchange. This is what they say. I have a different idea. I think Congress knew exactly what they were doing. I think Congress is, uh, I think the Democratic Party's whole plan and the wrote this monstrosity because the Democrats, those Democrats in, in the House of Representatives and the Senate didn't write this. This got plopped on their desk with some of their big lobby friends from the insurance companies. That's where this came from. They didn't write it. They didn't even read it. But the intention was, and and now don't get me wrong, I do believe some people like Nazi Pelosi knew exactly what was in it. I think they got the memo. And I think the memo goes something like, oh, uh, hey, guess what? We're going to ruin, we're going to destroy the American public. Because most of the sheep out there will say, oh my gosh, i got to pay all this money. Oh, what a 
what? I, you're not going to pay it. That's what. You know, there comes a time when people say, you know, that's enough. Not only am I not going to pay the Obamacare, I'm not going to even file. I'm not going to do anything, and you can come and get it. And while you're coming to get that money, tell you what, you want you want to <laughs> you want to confiscate ammo? I'll have mine ready for you when you get here for the money. Yeah, it's coming to that, folks. Because people look when you leave people no choice. What do you expect them to do? Now, okay, that that might be a lot of you out there might go, oh, come on now. like this well i believe they would but let's say they didn't let's say they were naive let's say they figured well you know we'll just get the states to do this because uh you know they won't want they won't want all the trouble that their people will give them you know if they find out what you mean i've got to pay 800 dollars a month for this crappy insurance that i never wanted in the first place <laughs> what but you said I was going to get subsidies. Oh, sorry, that's only a state exchange, and your state didn't decide to do that. Or, like Oregon, your state decided to do it, but then figured they'd rather steal $330 million instead and do nothing for it. Yeah. So now the Supreme Court is being asked, hey, wait a minute, these states, these people that are getting a federal their insurance through the federal exchange, they're not entitled to any subsidies, and they never were. So there's that going to be. And if that comes down, uh, there's going to be a lot of unhappy people, like about 8.8 million unhappy people. Because do you know 84% of people on Obamacare get subsidies? Yeah, that means it's coming out of the government. But, hey, at least the insurance companies are getting paid. The costs never did come down. So now we have the Republicans, okay? So that's damaging and that's bad. But then again, hey, Obamacare may not survive. But they say, oh, well, if that happens, Obama will just write an executive order saying, well, I'm giving subsidies. Well, uh, <clears throat> he doesn't get to do that. Now, of course, the Spineless jellyfish. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. Jellyfish will at least sting you. So I don't want to give jellyfish a bad name. Let's just stick with spineless Congress that we have. And I do mean the Republicans because I don't expect anything out of the Democrats. I mean, they were on board with this. But the Republicans, man, they just ran a race convincing the American people, well, we're going to do something about this Obama amnesty. We're going to turn the tides on all this illegal immigration that Obama is allowing to happen, and we're going to get rid of Obamacare. And what have they done? You know what they've done? They've given, oh, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars in free weapon systems to who? The Ukraine. Yeah. The Ukraine, the illegitimate puppet government that Obama overthrew, well, he overthrew the uh, legitimate government with this government during the Russian Olympics. Yeah, yeah, 
economy. No, and they didn't sell them weapons because, oh, well, the Ukraine doesn't have any money because, see, the rest of the world doesn't view them as a legitimate government, so they can't get any money. So the United States Congress, 93% of them, decided they just give them weapons. And I'm not talking rifles and bullets, you know, the stuff they want to confiscate from you. No, 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 no. They're giving them airplanes and tanks and all kinds of good stuff. Meanwhile, they're trying to take your guns away from you, your ammo away from you, while they're giving ammo and weapons to the Ukraine. Well, now there's been quite a bit of chatter that the Ukrainian government is just a bunch of skinhead Nazis, which I don't really care, okay? I don't really care. The fact of the matter is the United States government overthrew a legitimately elected government on the doorstep of Russia, and now we're arming them. And we have morons coming on, and I mean morons that were ex-generals in the United States Army or Marines or somewhere, saying that the answer to the problem is to kill more Russians. Well, okay. Well, you know what? If you're if you're really looking for World War Three, then that's a good way to go about it. Because I mean, honestly, folks, if it was you, you know, Mister United States wrapped in the flag, warmonger, you know, you, yeah, Mister Republican, yeah. If it was you and uh, Russia pulled something like this. Like, say, in Mexico or Canada? Yeah, let's say Putin decided to, you know, while we were having the, uh, I don't know, the Super Bowl or something, decided to overthrow the government in Mexico and kill them all and replace them with Russian shills. And then put the whole Russian army on the American border. Hey, what do you think we think about that? Would that be okay? Oh, and hey, and then let's say they decide that, uh, well, you know what? The Mexicans were right all along, and uh, hey, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and half of California, uh, uh, we're really Mexico, so hey, we're just going to march on in there and attack them and take it for the Mexicans. Hmm? What if they decided to do that? Because that's what's going on in the Ukraine. This is a real bad, ugly mess going on over there. And your Congress, your Republican Congress, is all for it, man. They are the biggest bunch of bloodthirsty little weasels that I've ever seen. Half of these, I'd say three-quarters of these scumbags in the Congress have never even been in a fist fight. Oh, but then there's John Kerry. You know, he was in Vietnam, you know. But now, hey, guess what? The Republicans got an idea about how to fix the budget. Yeah, while they're giving away weapons and money and, uh, you know, all kinds of things to the Ukraine and, well, to Iraq and, uh, you know, you name it. Accidentally dropping weapons to ISIS, yeah. Yeah, while they're doing all that, because we've got money problems, don't you know? 
Yeah, what they're going to do is they're going to cut Medicare and they're going to cut food stamps. Hey, isn't that cool? Not. Uh, you know, I mean, really, who are these guys? Well, are they, uh, like, were they elected by the Ukrainians or were they elected by the uh, Americans? Were they elected by the Iraqis or were they... Were they elected by the Afghanis, or were they elected? Who are these people elected by? Oh, wait, I know. That's right, the multinational corporations that pay them. That's who elected them. Oh, we have problems, folks. Anyway, we're going to play Stump the Room, and uh, we'll take a break, and we'll be back in a few. So good luck, and here we go. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four. Three, two, one. Packed my bags last night, three blocks. Two hours, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high as a child. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. It's lonely out in space. I just
have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LMB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Oh, yeah. 
uh, that first song was obviously Rocket Man. All right. Now, uh, I, I personally really like that version. And it's uh, by a band called Iron Horse. Now, if you get a chance and you like that kind of music, you know, uh, kind of a bluegrass sound. If you like that, look up Iron Horse. They do a lot of covers, and they do it in that style that, and I'll tell you what, they do some heavy metal covers that are, uh, you know, I'll probably play some here in the future, but they're they're very interesting, and I I, kind of like them, but, you know, some of you, of course, you won't. Some of you just don't like bluegrass, but anyway, uh, uh, look up that band Iron Horse, and uh, I think you'll like of some of the covers they play. Uh, I think you'll be surprised at some of the covers they do play. And that second song there was, of course, a Doors classic, one of my favorite Doors songs ever, Roadhouse Blues, and that was from Woodstock 90. And it was Creed, and obviously Robbie Krieger was playing with them for this song, but the band was Creed. Plus, you know, guessing Robbie Krieger isn't very much of a guess, seeing as how they told you that he was there. But anyway, so that's who it was. It was Creed, which is, again, a very famous and well-known band, and those of you out there that are Creed fans, you should have recognized Iron Horse and Creed were the two bands, and there you go. The room did not get it, although I got to say, for the first song, they made some really good guesses. Really did, and it could have been any one of those, all of them, but most of the bands they picked, it could have been could have been quite a few of them. Good guesses, and even the second one uh, was some good guesses, except, you know, maybe the Doors, although, you know, Robbie Krieger kind of, Government mule, and that's a uh, that's a good guess. Uh, all right, so this is the Frank Report. It's the 16th of March, 2015, and enough fun and games, huh, folks? Now it's back to the good news of the day. And uh, well, we just got done with the GOP. While they're giving away the store to the Ukraine, Afghanistan, Iraq, oh, we got to have more money for spying too. We got to have all kinds of money for all kinds of things, but we got to save money somewhere. So where we're going to do it is we're going to cut Medicaid and food stamps. You dirty, rotten, poor Americans, you—you you don't need anything. Eat dirt, you bunch of losers. Yeah, that's your GOP Congress at work. Isn't that nice? Well, if you like the Internet, you know, look, you know, this this Obamanet thing, which was called net neutrality, which is a false name, again, just like the Patriot Act, but, you know, it, it ain't over, okay? This ain't over at all. The minute they start trying to implement any of these rules, there's going to be lawsuits up the wazoo because they have completely exceeded their authority. But, you know, they can make all the rules they want until it goes to court, and it will, and there'll be there'll be some big players. It won't be mom and pa down the, down the road that's got their Internet cut off or something that's going to sue the government. 
it's going to be more like the big players out there, like Comcast and AT&T. They may take on, you know, a little. Anyway, you're going to like this. Um, why is the FCC turning its back on Internet freedom? Is it because we now have evidence that the Internet is not open? No. Is it because we have discovered some problem with our prior interpretation of the law? No. We are flip-flopping for one reason and one reason alone. President Obama told us to do so. That was a quote, okay, by A.J. Pai, who is the uh, one of the Republican, has been against this, from the very beginning and has been very open about it. Last year, when the FCC invited comments about possible regulatory changes, only two paragraphs of an 85-page document mentioned the possibility of subjecting the Internet to Title II of the Communications Act of 1934. To be clear, the deficiencies in the notice were not the product of incompetence, Mr. Pye wrote. Rather, they reflect the fact that the agency was headed in a different direction, until political pressure was applied. Now, remember, folks, the FCC is supposed to be an independent agency. Shortly after Mr. Obama demanded in November that the FCC treat the Internet as a utility, the Commission's Democratic majority stopped work on their less extreme plan and scurried to adopt ObamaNet approach, which the FCC had always opposed. Now, Another thing you have to understand, folks, is the FCC is utilizing Title II, which is a law. The law was written with the intention, okay, of regulating monopolies. You understand? Is the Internet a monopoly? No. The Internet is not a monopoly. You see, oh, ooh, ooh, there's the first legal challenge. Because you see, the FCC is utilizing the law in complete contradiction to the intent of the law. You get that? You're not supposed to do that. Anyway, this explains why an independent agency could issue such a vague and slapdash 400-page order. For starters, the order lacks evidence of why the Internet, the greatest source of innovation in modern times, must now submit to rules written for the monopoly telephone system. The order doesn't include basic market and economic analysis that courts demand to justify new regulations. Whoops. Gee, there's the second legal challenge, especially when an agency reverses its own precedence. You do remember just a couple of years ago, the FCC ruled, pep, hands off the Internet. ObamaNet rejects the Internet's key operating principle of permissionless innovation. Under the new rules, entrepreneurs must seek regulatory approval before launching new products and services or beg for forgiveness afterwards. The order submits broadband providers to the Ma Bell just and reasonable test for utility pricing and practices. It sets a price of zero dollars for what they can charge bandwidth hogs like Netflix and YouTube. Net neutrality supporters wanted to break up the cable telecom broadband duopoly. Du- 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 
Instead, the order suppresses new broadband competitors like Google Fiber by submitting them the requirements written for monopolists. You see, now what's funny here, folks, is remember not too long ago, uh, Sirius Radio bought XM Radio. Now, there were only two satellite, mobile satellite providers of radio. Okay, there were only Sirius and XM, and they let them merge, even though now they are a complete, absolute monopoly. Now, we have the cable companies, we have the telephone companies with DSL, and we have Google doing fiber. That's three different, three different ways to access the Internet, not to mention satellite Internet, which isn't really a big player, but it's there. Wonder, huh? Besides broadband, the order covers virtually every activity on the internet under a new general rule conduct. General conduct rule. Get this. Asked at a press conference, what does this mean? General conduct rule. FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler, the liar, replied, We don't really know. We don't know where things will go next. We have created a playing field where there are known rules, and the FCC will sit there as a referee and will throw the flag. Oh, I see. You're the referee that's going to throw the flag about rules that we don't really know what they mean. Uh, the referee doesn't know what they mean. How is anybody else supposed to know what they mean? E. The order admits the FCC doesn't know many of its new rules, what many of its new rules mean. Do you know why? Because they didn't write them. The order says the agency will watch, learn, and act as required. What? Are you kidding me? Does vague and ambiguous come to mind, folks, when you're talking about rules that they say they don't know what they mean? But we're going to watch, learn, and act as required. In other words, we'll decide as we go along. We'll make it up as we go along. Yeah, there can't be anything wrong with that. You've got to be kidding me. So, folks, you know, as, as heinous as this is, it ain't over, okay? It ain't over. And this isn't going to be left up to the scumbags in Congress who could put an end to this in a heartbeat. Do you want to know how? You want to know how easily Congress could put an end to Obama net sitting down because this is really simple. A one page law. It is unlawful for any government agency under any circumstance to consider the internet a public utility. Period. End of law. That's that. You get that passed through Congress and I'll tell you what, that's the end of the FCC's rules. But they won't do it. Why won't they do it? Because, oh, my gosh, Obama wanted it, and we can't do anything that Obama doesn't want because, oh, he'll tell the blacks we're bad, we're racist, and we can't have that. <laughs> yeah, that's what they'll play off to you. But really, they're getting money from somewhere to let this happen. You can bet on it. Well, I'm running out of time, so I'll pick this story instead of the FBI plans to spying on you. 
Europeans defying the United States and joining a Chinese bank. But we'll get with this one because it's a little more down home. Massive layoffs are being spearheaded by the multi-billion dollar Southern California Edison Utilities Company, which is terminating scores. Now, I want you to listen which is terminating scores of American IT workers and replacing them with immigrant IT workers from a slew of foreign countries who are willing to work for far less compensation. These immigrants are in the United States on an H-1B visa program. Have I mentioned this before? I think so. We don't need foreign workers. We have plenty of Americans who are fully capable and equipped to carry out these jobs. It's an absolute issue of corporate greed. Nothing more, nothing less. Former Edison employee and Marine Pat Levin told Breitbart News in an exclusive interview late last week. Levin is a stalwart Democrat who serves as a business manager and a financial secretary for the National Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, local number 647. Edison are master liars, Levin cautioned, quipped that he caught them telling the truth last week, and they tried to lie their way out of it. (laughs) I like that. Anyway, Levin spoke with Breitbart News as one of the California Edison workers laid off in a scandal that uh, Representative Daryl Issa and Senate Judiciary Committee Senator Chuck Grassley have hammered the company for Grassley called the layoffs heartless, and I used to argue that that appears to be an abuse of the program. Abuse of the program. Oh, like, we didn't know. Oh, this is so horrible. How could this ever happen? This is like Obama acting like, oh, gee, let's see. Uh, you know, uh, okay, look, you've got to buy insurance if you've got more than 50 uh, employees or anybody who works over 30 hours a week. I'm shocked. I'm appalled. How dare you cut everybody's hours back to 29 hours a week? I'm, how could you? I just can't believe it. Oh, yeah, really? How stupid are you? I mean, you give out all the H- H-1B visas. What exactly did you expect businesses to do? I mean, honestly. <laughs> and we're supposed to believe, oh, it was all just, uh, you know, we didn't know this was going to happen. Who figured that corporations would be greedy. Huh. Yeah. Blame Congress, folks. As much as they lie, you know, that Lavin guy, man, he's right. If you ever catch a congressman telling the truth, don't worry. He'll try to lie his way out of it. Anyway, I'll be back in a few. Uh, Dean Lauren on, and uh, we'll do another hour, so stay tuned.
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees new use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LMB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541. 541- Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Any of the United States, kings have fought. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
All right, welcome back for everybody who is joining from the first hour, and welcome to everybody who is joining just for the second hour here. Welcome. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still the 16th of March, 2015. At least out here on the Pacific Time Coast it is, where it's about 10 minutes after 9 p.m., of course. Over on the East Coast, it is 10 minutes after tomorrow, so we have Dean Lauren with us from New York City, or in New York City, should I say, and that means he is coming to us from the future. Welcome, Dean. Well, thank you, Frank, and it's another barn burner tonight. <laughs> we have uh, some several issues to really look at. Our 99 cent report, and, and it's going to be a little bit of a review. Uh, I guess we have to. Best place to start are the coups that have been taken against our government, and you know m- most people are familiar about the coup. Roosevelt trying to pack the courts in uh, and then the following actions by other corporate you know entrepreneurs yes. on that subject I'd like to ask you something and you know because the thing with Roosevelt it was a threat to pack the court. And for those of you out there that don't know what that means, that means, you know, they've got nine on the court, and the court was not going along with Roosevelt's unconstitutional New Deal plans. And he just threatened them and said, you know what I'll do? I'll just uh, make the court 12 or 14 or whatever, or 15, and I'll pack it with Democrats that will vote my way if you don't go along with this. And they caved in, and they went along with most of everything that he wanted to do. Now, we go to the future. We go to the Obama administration. It seems to me, Dean, that the Republicans are caving in about as much as anybody could possibly cave in. They just came off an election where they bamboozled the American people into believing that they were going to get rid of this executive order amnesty, and they were going to get rid of Obamacare, and they were going to stand up to Obama, and they basically have folded up like a cheap, you know, uh, card trick and haven't done anything. So I'm wondering, is there some sort of threat, like Roosevelt made to the court, is there some sort of threat that Obama has made that we are unaware of to the Republicans? Uh, Yes. In fact, there has been a – that's what I wanted to discuss. Threat. Adolf. Right now, was, and it's just not the Republicans either. We have to look at all the third-tier well, Democrats for Senate. Well, now, Abramoff was pretty much a Republican bundler, and Madoff was pretty much a Democratic bundler. What Weren't they? Yes, and 
now there are no bundlers that are moving the drug money. So you see there is a black hole of currency. Must be time to get out of Afghanistan. <laughs> and you know what? That's interesting because you see those millions of dollars of payments to Afghanistan, which just surfaced in the last two weeks or so, that we were paying them. We were also paying those to Israel and various other countries. So the timing, well, I would say Clinton would have had to be involved in that. Hillary Clinton. Right. So she would have had to okay certain of those payments, even if they were from the CIA, because it's the State Department. Now, what exactly, what, what payments and, and what sort of payments, gratuities, weapon systems, or whatever, actually have to be at least approved through the State Department? Any weapon transaction that would have gone through the CIA, she would have had to tacitly approve. It had to have been, because you see, uh, within the State Department at each of these, there are the lower-ranking uh, employees, and, and a third of those are CIA agents. So anytime you walk into an one-third of those employees work for the CIA. So for her not to have been involved, and so... Sounds like going to a Klan meeting where a third of them are FBI agents. Yes, it's exactly that. <laughs> and that's the situation. Not that I've ever been to a Klan meeting. <laughs> <laughs> now, we had discussed openly that, you know, with this New Star phone contract, right. that basically they knew every time you phoned somebody and who you phoned, and really you just need the times when you phone somebody and the length you're on the phone. Well, and also the, uh, the company, uh, the nuance behind them is a – voice recognition company that is actually their their software, even their software that's commercially available is outstanding. So what they're using is they can basically, you know, this idea that somebody has to be sitting there listening, these things are making written transcripts. Yes, and so when Hillary Clinton used her BlackBerry, all those telephone numbers went down. Everybody she message went down. There's four sets of records out there. So somebody's got the goods on Hillary, and uh, they're not making them available just yet. Exactly. They'll drop little by little, and they'll bring her up in different uh, scandals. And just like the CIA payments to Afghanistan for opium. I mean, that's what they were. They, was, they were drugs that we, we gave them. Now, how do you think we got our opium our markets? So, you know, that that was dropped just after her emails. Well, of course, you know, now they're going to ask her, well, what was your involvement in these various 
tissues. What happened with the weapon trans uh, uh, transfers to Italy that ended up in Yemen? You know, where are the emails for those? And her answer will be, what does that matter anyway? No, her answer <laughs> will be that her server was destroyed. Ah. She destroyed her server. The one that I already, the one that I already told you all, you'll never get your hands on it. Oops, there was a mishap. Uh, I didn't want to say this before, but I, I had actually destroyed the hard drive. That's what she's going to say. Uh-huh. She has to say that in order to survive, because she was as, as much as I hate to say this right now, Bill O'Reilly outed her as one of the founding members of Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme, Emily's List. And you notice that right after he he outed her, he has a fall from grace. Yeah. Okay. So when we look at these coups, they're just not only military. And by the way, for those people in the 1907 coup against Roosevelt, it was MacArthur. Butler was just set up. They were going to take him out right away. So, and he has always been in opposition to MacArthur. So, you know, who who better to rat him out? Saw a coup when Reagan was shot. True, true. You know, yeah. most Americans don't recognize that as a coup, but it really was. Absolutely, and it was by what the guy from the State Department. It was by Bush, you know. But I mean, you know, whatever. But for a somebody else seized the government. Oh, <laughs> you mean Al Haig? I'm in charge here? Absolutely. <laughs> and in 2001, Bush. Yeah, yeah, true. But there are different coups. There is the coup for silver, which was the Hunt brothers. There's a coup right now going down on copper with the red kite coup. Currency was Soros, British. You forget, there was a coup for wheat with the Russians. Okay? And now what we haven't discussed is with the judiciary. And that's the Second Circuit that began with Robert Fisk in 1976 and steamrolled beginning in 1980. Rockefeller made his move to take over the judiciary of the Second Circuit. He already had control, but now he was going to take care of or take control of the market through the Now, before we go to the uh, break with the music, we got about, we got about, you know, we got like seven, eight minutes before that. Okay, great. So, we're going to talk about LIBOR. That's the currency coup going yeah, on now. But before you go there, now you mentioned Soros, and and I, you know I don't know how true this this news item is, but I mean if you if you Google it, it'll come up on quite a few websites, and I think they copy each other. But I don't know if uh, it's true or not. But there's uh, quite a few that says. Uh, that there's an issue, an international arrest warrant against George Soros by Russia. In other words, Putin. 
has put out an international arrest warrant against George Soros. So, have you read anything about that? Do you know anything about it? Is it you know, if if it is true, I mean, I gotta figure. Look, if if Vlad the Impaler wants you arrested, you're gonna be on a jet to Moscow with a bag over your head pretty quick, you know. Uh, but and that's what I believe. Well, sure, he got a little cosmetic uh, surgery, but. He, Putin, disappeared because there is a contract out on Putin. Only one. Okay. And, you know, with this currency embargo against Russia, Russian mafia is now saying to Putin, you screwed up. We need to remove you. Now, between the Orthodox Church in Russia, mafia, military, which he has stepped on, because Putin, remember, is not military. He's intelligence. Right. So there is a blue line there. That means there are religious martyrs, there are hitmen from the mafia, and there are military that are each taking up contracts against Putin. He has nowhere to turn. Well, you know, this. you see, this is... I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but then again, there's another side to it. For instance, this quote from China's envoy to Germany that says, sanctions, meaning against Russia, could lead to retaliatory action that would trigger a spiral with unforeseen consequences. We don't see any point in sanctions, meaning China. Right, because we're heading into a war of attrition that will be won through sabotage. That's where we're headed, folks. Back to sabotage. There will be no armed conflict. There will just be pipelines being blown up, electrical stations being You know, it's interesting with Putin that he chose the president of Kyrgyzstan, Azbay Atamsiyev, to surface after these. But that was a wrong maneuver by Putin because, you see, he meets president of Kyrgyzstan every three and a half months. So this is a man who's firmly in his pocket, who's going to go anywhere or say anything to support him. Very safe bet to appear live with. Well, yeah, and, you know, I mean, i got to look at it this way. You know, if you're aware that, you know, this is going to be a war of attrition and sabotage and things like that, Putin must be also aware of it. And if you are put in a position, okay, you're, you're there and you're put in a position and you know this and you see this and you go, okay, can I win a war of attrition? And you come up and you realize, no, I cannot win that kind of war. What is stopping you from saying, but I can take you all down with me in a real war? Now, because why I ask that is because you say, well, there's not going to be any shooting war. Well, 
That may not be the plan, okay? But it only takes one one. It only takes one to mess up the plan, you know. Ah, I'm glad you brought that up because you see, Hillary was the one who messed up the plan. Yeah. Okay, because you gave us the clues two weeks ago. If anybody cared to listen to our shows, made it very clear for us to enter that type of war, we would need to ramp up our factories. Russia would have to ramp up. There are no factories for takes three to four years, as you pointed out. Yeah, or They're in the middle of embargo. Well, here we are, though. I mean, that may be true with Russia. I'm not very familiar with their industrial base, but I'll take your word for it. But we don't have any either. Exactly. So there cannot be a war. Hello, wake up. It's what did Mr. Spock say? It's only the okay. No matter how outrageous. If we can't go to war because we can't ramp up, then there must be a sabotage war. And we are no longer in a position to switch our factories over because we have none. Well, that leaves, though, China, who now they've got the factories, but I don't know. They can't ramp up either. Well, I don't know if they have, I don't know if they have the capital to, you know, do what they got to do to, you know, pay all those people to do what they want them to do. So now with Hillary, you have to understand what was all this done for? What was all this positioning done for? It was to corner the market on military sales. Those are the emails that everybody is going to pull on the table for Mrs. Clinton. But as Secretary of State, as John Kerry is fully aware, you have to sign off on all the arms transactions. Those involve steel. And she's going to have Tyson Krupp written all across her forehead. <laughs> okay. Well, now like we are at the now text. now we are at the break. So tell us uh, what this uh, song is here, and uh, we'll get to break. Well, I think we have to dedicate this song because you know, if you hadn't put your never gotten all this information, so you got the money, and the American people got the with this high regard. I dedicate this. All right, we'll take a break and we'll be back. This is dedicated to Hillary Clinton. On my last project called The Comfort Zone Season 1,
borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. Restore the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Four one eight eight. That's one eight hundred three seven five forty one eighty eight. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Peterstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net. 800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. One communication system. Five centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one forty nine ninety nine. Shipping and the system one forty nine ninety nine. Call five four one. Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still the 16th of March, 2015. It's now about 9.40 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. Go to the chat room and everything else you need to know about. Anyway, um... We've got Dean Lauren on for this uh, second hour here. Welcome back, Dean. Now, uh, as always, you got to tell us where where you recorded that uh, that first song. I got to say, uh, you know, I'm down on this week's song. <laughs> that's just my that's just me, but I'm still interested to know where you got it. Well, that was by the group Keju, and that was uh, recorded live at the Delancey. Down on Lower East Side, Manhattan, the Lancy Street, and of course it was dedicated to our great leader, right? Right. And uh, my the song I played was by King Crimson. Again, dedicated to our leaders. All right. So uh, what I wanted before I forget, I wanted to bring up the issue uh, for China because you mentioned about right. their factories, you know, not ramping up, or, 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 or the question: Can they ramp up? Well, it appears to me they've got, I guess, the best chance of anybody of doing it if anybody does have a chance. But like you mentioned, you know, even even in the best circumstances, it still takes a few years. Exactly, and so right now they are being targeted for their uh, housing market. You see, last week we discussed the issue of uh, the art of war, which was really actually based on a trade uh, essay or a trade uh, program. Uh, And it was rewritten adopting military terms because it was so effective at using trade as a weapon. Anything that you, you do in in economics can have find its twin sister in the military. So one of the things we, we look at in, in China is um, what would you, you use this information for or how could you bring down the housing market? And so this is uh, why we bring up the issue of satellites, uh, and what's going on in the United States with the uh, accumulation of information about private your private life? You know, I just, you spend your money. You know, I read today because you uh, brought up satellites. I just read something today, and I, I didn't get into depth about it, but it says that they uh, the new Star Wars program program designed to our satellites. So apparently. You know, all that, those little stories about, uh, you know, I think it was the Chinese that launched, uh, you know, something. The shrapnel. Yeah, the they were concerned, uh, hey, those things could blow up our satellites. Uh, perhaps that wasn't, say, just a false alarm. Well, this is what's facing uh, King Salman right now in Saudi Arabia, that his satellites are not competent. The satellite feeds that he's getting from our satellites. Okay, he can't depend on that information. They put false videos on. They say you know false messages. 
he basically has a blind eye in the in the sun. Now, when we go to China, they have Disney opening up in Shanghai next year. Now, imagine all those people coming into China from all different parts of China. They're charging using their bank cards. They're using their cell phones. And they're passing through the supercomputer gates of Disney that is swiping all their private data as they walk through. I wonder if China's actually going to allow that. Of course they, they – and the only way China can block it is if they create a banking card that their citizens purchase before they enter Walt Disney and – they uh, and that way Disney has to access their funds uh, debits through this central banking computer in China that of course has appropriate firewalls. Now, okay, just as a sidebar to that because I think it here's uh, from a story: France, Germany, and Italy have all agreed to follow Britain's lead and join a China-led international development bank, according. Delivering a blow to U.S. effort to keep out of the new institution might not have all just to do with lending. It may be information they're trying to protect. Information they have to protect. They are also, okay, right now, we brought up the LIBOR coup. That's when they were rigging the currency rates. The Bank of England was rigging the currency rates for the last 20 to 30 years, folks, with the New York Federal Reserve. Wake up. Where are the arrests? We're talking trillions of dollars in interest, but now let's take it to a higher level, Frank. What follows the LIBOR? What always follows the LIBOR? You know, you asked where the arrests were. Well, just last year. China executed six bankers. So, right, you know, they take care of this. We, we, nobody's gone to jail here. And General Zhu just died. They put a little crink in his neck. So, you know, and that was the man who was dealing uh, with the former Secretary, uh, Secretary of Defense. Uh, who was the little guy? Uh, Eagle? Uh No, 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 no. Well, during uh, Bush's last term. Uh, and he went into Obama's. I don't know a guy with short arms. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Panetta? No, no, before oh. Panetta. And then, um, so what we're we're looking at here is the fact that um, time always follows the LIBOR. Okay? Those are your mortgages that are affected both your housing and your car, right, folks? So that is the war of attrition that we are fighting now. Who can survive the mortgage bubble that has come from the LIBOR scandal, okay? So it's really important, folks, that you – I mean, people are having their homes uh, repossessed illegally. Remember, they just 
were signing all these documents without any authorization. Nobody got arrested in the United States. All right? Um, and so now the cars are following. So you really have to ask yourself, okay, it was Robert Gates who Robert met with Gates. General Zhu. Okay, and they were making the deals under uh, president, the former president, Zemin, uh, okay, to bring down China. And see, that's where China is right now because they have all this money that has been squirreled away offshore in Hong Kong, and they need to get that money back. But now they're facing all these incredible overpriced home valuations, just like Americans. So, folks, while they were rigging the prime, through rigging the LIBOR, all your interest rates, your homes, which were worth maybe about $100,000, were then being valued at $400,000, and you're paying taxes on them as if they are worth $400,000, when they are only worth $100,000 because of the LIBOR scandal, the rigging, which affects the prime rate. So really what Obama has to address the United States Congress is how are you going to reevaluate all the property values that were falsely rigged by the Bank of England? Because that's going to be a massive drop in our taxes for April 15th. Now, if everybody across the country started saying, but wait a minute, you're telling me that they rigged all these rates and you want me to pay these taxes on my properties and for schools. And by the way, Frank, I sent you a letter. I formally went to President Obama, Barack Obama, and I asked him to investigate Blakely v. Wells, the lawsuit that I'm in where Sotomayor got caught on the bench. Yep, I saw okay. those letters. Okay, I and I went to the Republicans as well to say, look, guys, there's a federal judiciary coup going down. If you want to look at the, the biggest black holes in the United States, it's education and it's the military. And so, you know, it's going to rip the Republicans apart when they do the budget. But for the most part, when the American public starts demanding that their houses are revalued at the proper amount. That's what's going to take the election from 216. Well, so yeah, Ezra but there's has a, the guts to bring that up. You know, there's another side to that uh, because a lot of Americans have used their house as, a, as an ATM machine. And if you came and said, well, uh, yeah, I know your, your house, you know, is $200,000 and, uh, you know, you went out and refinanced it. For you know, eighty. Uh, yeah, that's good. Except you know what, your house is only really worth a hundred thousand. Uh, they're going to be, they're not going to enjoy that too much. You see, these guys, these these criminals weren't stupid. They got this. They got the public kind of wrapped up in their crime here. Now that's exactly what uh, the bank of Nomura is is refusing to uh, cough up any money for the Fannie and Freddie uh, Mac 
toxic mortgages. So they're going to trial. That was the stupidest thing the Bank of Nomura should have done because now they're going to blow the whistle on everybody, okay? <laughs> and it's going to be worse than, you know, HSBC, which is basically the Bank of England's uh, licensing to the East Indian Tea Company through the Hanier family in Hong Kong. So it stands for the Hong Kong Shanghai Banking Corporation, which was the formal East Indian Tea Company run by the Hanier family. Yeah, and and how does the uh, you know the Chinese Communist Party feel about that? Well, they're <laughs> look they're they're looking to say, well, you dodged all these taxes. So now Obama's saying the same thing to Hughes Hubbard and Reese, and and um, what's it, uh, Proscara Rose. You dodged all these taxes. Now, folks, if you, you know, I keep bringing up these Madoff cases. And Hughes Hubbard and Reed, by the way, was the law firm that uh, Robert Fisk belongs to. He's the one who led the judiciary coup. Oh, hey, as the U.S. Way, attorney. You know what? You mentioned, uh, you know, and we've done hours on just the uh, list thing. I really thought, with all that out and all that you know, available to people. You know, Emily's list would be pretty much dead in the water. But man, you know what? They're out there, they're they're raising money for political candidates and they're they're pushing like Elizabeth Warren and uh you know, they're raising uh, thousands, millions of dollars, man. They're still at it. Yes. That just shows you why they had to bear I'm in court right now with the Evelyn Goldstein uh, Goldberg estate, and I'm the executor. And they are doing everything possible to stop a financial accounting, which will show that Emily Madoff of Wolf Popper was involved with, she's Bernie's cousin, in shaking down all the surrogate courts. Now, surrogate courts are where you die and, and all your wills are negotiated. And um, so they were shaking down all the estates, Westchester, Manhattan, Brooklyn, the Bronx, all of So, but think about that across the nation. And they were using the money that they were stealing from the estates in the Ponzi scheme and to pay the political campaigns of people like Hillary, Charlie Rangel, Charles Schumer, Christine Gillibrand, Elizabeth Warren, yeah, and they're still doing Barbara Mikulski, who's who's re, who's retiring because she doesn't want to get caught. Barbara Boxer is another one who's retired is retiring because she doesn't want to get caught, and it all goes back to Boston. Barney Frank, Mary Beth Cahill ran all of the front for that. She. She had Senator Leahy. That's the head of appropriations, former head of appropriation. Barbara Mikulski took his place, right? So, folks, between the LIBOR scandal rigging the prime rate across the country and now that there is no drug cartel funneling money in to these – I mean, face it. Netanyahu invited everybody from Congress over to Israel six months before this election, and, and let them look at their Israeli bank accounts, their secret Israeli bank accounts. Okay, folks, let's get it real. Okay, we're running, out of, we're running out of time. Let me ask you something. What, you mentioned Israeli bank accounts. 
be? Is Netanyahu going to win, or is the other guy going to win? Who's, who's... Netanyahu is going to lose because he screwed up because of the taxes on all the Israeli homes. That is, I told you, it's going to be the issue in 2016. It took down the Israeli government. Hello, everybody, wake up at the White House. If you don't drop the property taxes, which are increasing the rents, nobody can afford to run businesses in the commercial sector, America can't prosper. Okay? And it comes back to 19. They blamed the landlords on Germany's problems. All right, let's get it, folks. It has to do with real estate. So President Xi Jinping is facing a massive blowout in his valuation of properties. Exactly what Frank said. Everybody borrowed over the valuation because everybody had corrupt assessors. Those houses weren't worth $400,000. Those skyscrapers or apartments aren't worth $1 billion or $1 million. Folks, if the electricity goes out, those pipes fail. You can't even walk up to those apartments. Those generators fail. You can't pump water that high. Those toilets won't work. Folks, those are dead properties. If you buy in a building over six floors in New York, you're asking for problems. Well, that's true. That that is true because uh, I mean, hey, but that's what the pressure for natural water in New York rises to six floors. Well, and there's you know there's a whole lot of buildings in New York City over six floors. That's right. So if you're really smart, you buy a three to four foot brownstone, story brownstone. And so let's recap this. This, we, we've talked about coups, we've talked about both in the military and in commodities and in the judiciary with Robert Fisk and the Second Circuit leading that currently. They're currently going for that. General Petraeus, he is actually on Obama time because he's ratting out all the German I mean, generals. I was going to say the Germans, you should rat them out too, and he probably will, <laughs> and probably has. So all you generals that thought you could take all those backroom payments, General Petraeus has given up your names, just so like in the 1950s. Well, that's how he got his sweet deal. That's exactly. He's given up every general's name. What are you every kidding me? Backroom uh, what are you payment. kidding me? Two two years of probation and uh, a forty thousand dollar fine. This is a guy who's a partner in a private equity fund. Forty thousand bucks is like a nickel to him. Right, and so, folks, you know, when we look at Walt Disney and the sucking of information out of people's phones and bank cards as they go through and pay for the Magic Kingdom, you know, think about it, folks. That Magic Kingdom is is using that information to maneuver your home. That's how the banking rates are set, folks on how much you can afford to pay. Well, Dean, we are out of time. We are out of time. Another Monday just ends. Well, so, it was real. It was real. It really was. <laughs> we'll do it again next Monday. And until then, I'll see you then. Well, thank you very much, Frank. And 
Remember, take me to your leader. Yeah. Well, there you go. And, uh, folks, I'll be back again tomorrow. As always, thanks for listening. Nights out make your way to the bar. Just days got me begging for more. Get down in the county of kings. Hear that music makes you want to sing, want to sing. Feels like something's in the air. Let the rhythm take you there. You can find me on the dance floor. Boop, 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 I'll be digging at the record store. Boop, 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 It's a sound that I've been waiting for. Boop, 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 your DJ drops that track once more. Book the boogie. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel. And AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LMB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Concerns itself with a globalist agenda 
and the conclusions reached have been advanced by these groups. Every one of the conclusions in uh, in the Iron Mountain Report have been advanced by these groups, Committee of 300, the CFR, TC, Bilderbergers, Royal Institute for International Affairs, Tavistock, your Club of Rome, United Nations, it goes on and on. Okay, it began back in 1950, actually. These hearings uh, began to take place in the United States, and the calls for a world government were actually held in 1950. Here's a resolution uh, in Congress that was considered and called for testimony, and it says to provide a true world government through the adoption of a world government constitution. It was a clear intent to place the, the United States directly under the United Nations and to scrap our constitution. Universal peace is a prerequisite for the pursuit of that goal, and from the competitive anarchy of nationals or nation states, therefore the age of nations must end and the error of humanity must begin. You will find there's a constant call for the merging of all humanity. Here's a resolution uh, adopted in the United Nations. This is what it says, regulation, limitation, and balanced reduction of all armed forces and all armaments. The all armaments means your weapons that you have in your closet for your own defense. It includes handguns and rifles and all kinds of things. Here's your blueprint for world peace, which was issued also in 1961, uh, concurrently as this move uh, towards putting us under the United Nations. You'll find that as the United Nations or United States and the R Russian military are to be reduced, the UN is consistently brought up to a higher and higher position. The only thing we are left with are internal security forces. Under the Freedom from War, this is a packet issued by the uh, federal government to go along with uh, 87297. This can only be achieved, the merging and disarmament, through the progressive strengthening of international institutions under the United Nations and by creating a United Nations Peace Force. See, they want to progressively strengthen the international institutions, all of which come under the United Nations. We are to lose our sovereignty. This can only be achieved through the progressive strengthening. By creating a United Nations peace, which really means police force, to enforce the peace. This is what Daniel said, and by peace, the Antichrist shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. All right, back to the government report, the disbanding of all national armed forces and the prohibition of their reestablishment in any form whatsoever other than those required to preserve internal order and for contributions to a United Nations peace force. They're to bring the UN up to a point where no state should, would have the military power to challenge the progressively strengthened U.S. police uh, peace force and all international disputes would be settled according to the agreed principles of international conduct.
That's exactly what the Bible says. It was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. No one can make war with this final world entity. If you will study your scriptures out, you will find that the United Nations fulfills every parameter listed for the uh, Antichrist system. And Public Law 87-297 has been updated. There are numerous updates. You will, if you go search them out, uh, Public Law 101-216, for example, has been updated. Here's another one. I have today signed H.R. 1495, the Arms Control and Disarmament Amendment Acts of uh, 1989. Uh, it authorizes the uh, fiscal appropriations uh, to get this thing underway. Now, the problem with it is the Bill of Rights and Amendment to the Right to Bear Arms, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. In other words, in reality, you cannot infringe that right in any way, method, or manner. The only way a people can remain free is to hold in their power the weapons necessary to secure their free state. This amendment deals with the international security of the United States from its own government. In other words, this amendment was to secure the people's freedom from their own government, from an internal government takeover. This right is not there uh, so that you can go hunting or for the other excuses made. It is there to prevent the government of the United States from becoming a dictatorship by treason. In other words, by betrayal of the Constitution of the United States. Now, in order to merge the United States into the United Nations requires a total betrayal of the Constitution, which guarantees you a free state through the right to bear arms. Do you see the connection? The United Nations is a communist, illuminist, Masonic world dictatorship. And there are no freedoms, hence they have to get the guns to eliminate the free state nation guarantee in our Constitution. The Iron Mountain Report, then, is a report in reality on how to circumvent the Constitution of the United States. And in reality, it's a document of treason. Uh, of how the rich men of the earth are actually going to divert the attentions of the people away so they can get this done. The guidelines given by the government for the Iron Mountain Report, one, military-style objectivity, two, avoidance of any value assumptions, and three, the inclusion of all relevant data. And this is a very important part of this report, is the avoidance of all value assumptions. This is what makes it so absolutely cold and inhuman. It is to be a moral. It is as a computer is a moral. It deals in factual data. There is not any mercy. There is not any compassion. It doesn't deal in right or wrong or what is good or evil. It is a report on the handling of men, women, children, and babies on the basis of herd or animal management without regard to any moral considerations whatsoever. It reduces people to objects. It reduces all humans to non-entities. 
with no rights of self-determination, with no rights granted by the Creator, and with absolutely no rights under a Constitution. The Constitution has been effectively canceled by Iron Mountain. Now, again, you'll find these resolutions coming up in Congress all the time that want to strengthen the United Nations uh, to establish an international criminal court. SJ uh, 32. These are bills uh, before the Congress and the Senate. Uh, the implementation of Agenda 21 and other Earth Summit agreements, which is all United Nations. Reagan called for the uh, uh, World Army. Uh, there is. Uh, Clinton has approved the UN Army. You're seeing it on TV all the time. War is required the glue of the nations, according to the Iron Mountain Report. Is war the scourge of the nations? It is said that war is merely an extension of diplomacy by other means. It is also said that war is necessary waste. But what is war, and why do peoples of the earth continuously fight and die? Why do millions of human families have a member or members that they have lost to this thing called war? What is the reality behind war? Does man have to fight wars, or can he develop a system of peace? And would the development of peace be worse than war itself? The Bible gives us some answers. The rest can be supplied by simple logic and deduction. James tells us that from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and ye cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. The root of war, then, is lust, and lust is want, and want is greed, and the root of greed is a self-centered heart, an unregenerated human heart. This is the key we need to explain war, and the Bible gives us many clues to why warfare is, and that in reality it can never be stopped. The root of the problem lies with the human heart, and the Bible says that the human heart is so desperately wicked that none can know it. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Paul says in Romans, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the laws of God, neither indeed can be. Jesus was very emphatic that out of the heart of man poured forth all kinds of evil. The problem with mankind is then his evil heart, evil because it is self-centered and evil because it does not contain true love. The love within that it does have is hurtful or harmful, manipulative, self-centered, and filled with its own desires, according to the Lord. But we obtain other clues as well from the scriptures as to the true reasons for war, and particularly in our day and age. Jesus, uh, rather James says, 
Go to now, ye rich men. Weep and howl for the miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver is cankered. The rest of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped together treasure for the last days. Ye have killed and condemned the just. Now let's run a little logic. Lust is the center of war. Lust is greed, and greed is from evil, self-centered hearts. The Bible also says that the love of money is the root of all evil, or the height of all greeds. Lust, then, is greed, and the ultimate greed is an insane love of money, which brings with it power, which brings with it control over mankind. Thus, the rich men of the earth are indeed in total control over money, and they have developed a system of economic controls well laid out in the scriptures. If the rich men of the earth gain control over the planet via their Babylonian economic system, then they are the ones who are only powerful enough and rich enough to wage war, and they are the only ones who can develop the war machines that you are looking at on your television screen. They are the ones who can develop the weapons necessary for modern warfare. Iron Mountain agrees. The very title confirms the Bible. The title says that it is a report on the desirability and feasibility for peace. It was ordered by the rich men of the earth. Therefore, they themselves must be the ones waging the wars, and now they have elected not to wage wars, but have elected uh, to do something else because warfare is drawing to a close, it will have soon served its purpose. In other words, it is a deliberate effort to bring in another system, for the first system of war has almost accomplished the goals originally intended. Albert Pike was purported to have written a letter in which he outlined three world wars. Each had a specific purpose and each had a goal. The last war, World War III, was to be fought to bring in an era of peace under Lucifer. It was to be fought predominantly uh, between the United States and the Soviet Union, and it would come in an era of seeming peace when it seemed like everything was fine, everything was great. The Bible says that the Antichrist is a man of peace. He rides a white horse and has no war machine. There are no arrows in his bow. He is to usher in a period of peace after great wars. Iron Mountain is about this era of peace. Iron Mountain is a report to aid Antichrist in his rise to power. It is in reality a report from hell. Iron Mountain asks, what can be expected if peace comes? What should we be prepared to do about it? What, for instance, are the real functions of war in modern societies? These are very important questions. The Soviet Union says a peaceful exploration of outer space is the constructive alternative to the plans uh, aimed at spreading the arms race. In other words, we're always going to find that the opposite of war is peace, which, of course, it is in reality. But what Iron Mountain is getting at is what are the real functions of warfare, the invisible functions of warfare? What role do they play in the overall structure of human society? 
For example, the Soviet Union has been on a war fitting for years and years. We have, to a lesser extent, in America, been on a war footing. Uh, it's been predominantly uh, a Cold War for, for many, many years, but nonetheless, it has been, and uh, as far as the economics of it are concerned, it has been a war era. It's been an age of war. And what this report is asking about is what about peace? It is surely no exaggeration to say that conditions of world peace would lead to changes in the social structure of the nations. These changes would be of unparalleled and revolutionary magnitude. As we would transition then from an era of war into peace, what would be the problems? It is an incorrect assumption that war as an institution is subordinate to the social system it is believed to serve. What they're saying here is that nations wage war for reasons other than what they state. War itself is the basic social system within which others are secondary modes of organization, conflict, or conspire. In other words, war itself is the basic social system of mankind. And if we go to peace, we're going to have problems unless we understand that. It is the system which has governed most human societies on record today. Well, this is, of course, very true in our day and age. We have seen nothing but war, starting uh, predominantly with World War I and coming forward. Uh, the Soviet Union has uh, had tremendous expenditures in their military, and the United States has likewise. It's been, in reality, an arms race. Uh, we're going to find out there is a reason for it. The capacity of a nation to make war is the greatest social power it can exercise. War-making, active or contemplated, is a matter of life and death, says Iron Malton. The misconceptions of war, one, to defend a military, or defend a nation, rather, from military attack by another, or to deter such attack. To defend the national interest, economic, political, or ideological. To maintain or increase a nation's military power for its own sake. I see these are the visible or more obvious reasons why a person would say, well, that's why we have war. But what they're saying is there are more, less obvious, very invisible reasons for why nations have war and this is the heart of the entire Iron Mountain report. Its conclusion was that war is absolutely necessary. It's an absolute requirement for human societies and nations to come together. It is in reality they claim the glue of the nations. The Soviet military machine or its war-making capacity is the actual glue that has held the Soviet Union and the Communist Empire together. If they were to move into an era of peace, what would happen? Right? Iron Mountain says it is these invisible or implied functions that are the dominant forces in our society. So what we have to find out then is what are the true functions of war 
in a society? Why, for example, has the Soviet Union and the United States, uh, both of which are controlled by the rich men of the earth, been on a constant war footing, constantly escalating this conflict? Why are they doing it, and what are the reasons behind it? Economic reasons are it is a necessary waste that operates outside the normal economic supply and demand system. Warfare creates an artificial demand. In other words, the war system itself, having huge militaries with all of their armaments, with all of the research and developments, creates a demand. This waste of money outside the system, according to Iron Mountain, acts as a counterbalance to the economic uh, growth of the nation. It is progressive for research and development of weapon systems, and it spurs technological advances which spin off and help society at large. Defense spending, per se, might be countenanced on economic grounds alone as a stimulator of the national metabolism. In other words, war itself, for economic purposes, is a tremendous growth factor. For the political reasons, it's different. A nation is a group of people organized together with a common goal and a national identity. The nation has an outlook or an attitude of how it will deal with other nations, and that's what we call foreign policy. A nation's foreign policy, says Iron Mountain, can have no substitute if it lacks, or no substance rather, if it lacks the means of enforcing its attitude. In other words, if the nation is not strong enough, it doesn't matter what their attitude towards somebody else is. War is itself the defining element of any nation's existence vis-a-vis -vis any other nation. War, then, equals nations because it is the glue of nations and what causes them to come together and peace would mean the dissolving of the nations. The elimination of war implies the elimination of national sovereignty and the traditional nation state. Please understand the importance of that remark in Iron Mountain. It is the elimination of war that brings us to world government. The war system not only has been essential to the existence of nations as independent political entities, but has been equally indispensable to their stable internal development. Without it, the war system, no government has ever been able to obtain its legitimacy. Or in other words, we could say it's right to rule its society. War is the basis of that claim to rule, and it is therefore the glue that holds a nation together, according to Iron Mountain. The possibility of war provides a sense of external necessity without which no government can remain in power. The organization of a society for the possibility of war is its principal political stabilizer. All right, in other words, for the Soviet Union, they said that the American people were the enemy, and that gave them the glue which held the Soviet Empire together, which rallied the people 
to make such sacrifices so that we could build up this huge war machine. The basic authority of the modern state over its people resides in its war powers. Now, that's another very important statement. Therefore, a substitute for the war system must be found in order to control the people and provide stability and legitimacy of government if we go into an era of peace. Now, we know that the United Nations is to be that era of peace. So, therefore, what they are saying is we have to find substitutes for what war does, the invisible functions of war. We have to find a substitute for that if we are going to go to peace. Obviously, if the war machine is discarded, new political machinery would be needed at once. In other words, as they phase war out, they have to phase whatever they're going to put in its place in to control the people, to control the nation. This is an essential part of Iron Mountain. Until if the substitute for war is developed, the continuance of the war system must be assured to maintain the stability of its internal organization of power. In other words, we have to keep the war system going in order to remain in control. Keep war until all substitutes are in place and running so we don't lose our rulership. In other words, those that are in power are going to remain in power. They've got to figure out a way to do that. So they're going to de-escalate the war system as they bring in a peace system. And the peace system is going to radically alter our societies. What substitutes for war are there? Well, it has to be a universal threat of equal magnitude as that of World War. The immediate loss of life and the immediate thought that blood is going to be shed. It has to be credible and it must be accepted by the vast majority of the population of any given nation or, in reality, the whole world if they're going to bring in global peace. Credibility, in fact, says Iron Mountain, lies at the heart of the problem of developing a political substitute for war. We must emphasize that one must be found of credible quality and magnitude if a transition to peace is to ever come about without social disintegration. In other words, really what they're saying is a nation would self-destruct without an external threat of some type. It is more probable in our judgment that such a threat will have to be invented rather than developed from some unknown conditions. That means exactly what it says. They're going to invent a system to accomplish this. An effective political substitute for war would require alternate enemies. In other words, we have to find an external threat that's uh, essentially very large. It may be, for instance, that gross pollution of the environment can eventually replace the possibility of mass destruction by nuclear weapons as the principal threat to the survival of the species. In other words, they're going to bring the environment up 
to a point of global threat. Poisoning of the air and of the principal sources of food and water supply is already well advanced and at first glance would seem promising in this respect. It constitutes a threat that can be dealt with only through social organization and political power. But from present indications, it will be a generation to a generation and a half before environmental pollution will be sufficiently menacing on a global scale to offer a solution as a substitute for war. In other words, we replace the war threat with an environmental threat. Now you know why the environment is on the TVs and the media constantly. A generation to, is about 30 years, so it would be about 1991 that this would be brought up to a global scale. It is true that the rate of pollution could be increased selectively for this purpose. In other words, what they're going, you could, you could selectively find areas where you could deliberately increase the pollution to get this threat in motion a little quicker. It is true that the rate of pollution could be increased selectively. In fact, the mere modification of existing programs for the deterrence of pollution could speed up the process enough to make the threat credible much sooner. In other words, let's have the governments drag their feet on pollution controls or the enforcement of pollution controls. And around the world, that's exactly what we have seen, a matter of foot dragging on the areas. One would then perhaps get the concept that this was all deliberate. Allow pollution to deliberately get worse until it can be manipulated by the controlled media into a world crisis. A global crisis has to be developed. Al Gore, Vice President, very timely book. Perhaps coincidentally, he wrote the book called Birth in the Balance, Ecology and the Human Spirit. It's a modern version of Iron Mountain in the ecological field. And, and in reality, it's quite an interesting book. You, you should go out and buy a copy of it. Uh, the world uh, government organizations are pushing this climate crisis, emergency earth rescue administration, the people of the earth have a new common enemy, which requires an emergency worldwide campaign. You see, we have to abandon our armaments to join in a common cause for survival. What did Iron Mountain say? It had to be a threat to the survival of the species.
group of man-made compounds called chlorofluorocarbons, or CFCs, used as refrigerants, cleaning solvents, and in some plastic forms, are to blame for this environmental problem. They eventually make their way into the atmosphere and destroy ozone. According to Dr. Brian Toon of NASA's Ames Research Center, it is a global-scale environmental problem. It really marks the first time uh, in the history of environmental science where human beings on one side of the planet have done something to the planet that has significantly affected it globally and on, on the far side of the planet from where the original pollution took place. Using the beautiful seaport town of Stavanger, Norway, as a base of operations, an international team of scientists assembled this year in an emergency effort to make a detailed study of the North Pole. Most of the work was performed aboard two NASA aircraft. This is the ER-2. For the mission, special wing pods are attached containing atmospheric chemistry analysis equipment and a host of other instruments. Typically, flights are made about 20 miles up along the fringes of space, right into the layers of atmosphere directly affected by ozone walls. The ER-2's research partner is a modified ECA. It flies at lower altitudes, but has increased fuel reserves, which allow it to cover more territory, even flights directly over the North Pole. Inside, the DC-8 is actually a complete scientific observatory loaded with sensing instruments. Scientists perform their experiments and are able to map results right on the spot. This instrument contains four lasers capable of shooting light many miles up into the atmosphere. The light reflects back to the plane and provides scientists with a cross-sectional map of ozone concentrations as well as aerosols or regions where ozone depletion is capable of occurring. Initial results from both aircraft indicate that high concentrations of CFCs have been found at northern latitudes, primed for ozone destruction. When combined with high altitude ice clouds, the right amount of sunlight and confined slow-moving masses of air, ozone destruction occurs. As a result of this airborne mission, scientists were able to confirm the process and predict areas of depletion. International policymakers have met in hopes of limiting the amount of CFC production and recently agreed to phase out its use by the year 2000. Many scientists worry that this may not be soon enough. Again, Dr. Chief. With the ozone problem, for example, when you release chlorofluorocarbons to the environment, it's decades to centuries before those are removed. Researching safe economic replacements for CFCs is a vital part of solving this serious environmental issue. Thanks to the intensive work done in the last few years, we know why ozone depletion exists. It is now up to the world community to take responsibility for the future of our global environment. Landsat satellites continue to orbit the Earth 14 times a day. From their 570-mile-high vantage point, they return images like these taken over rich California farmlands. Telltale red images indicate vigorous vegetation growth. The state of California is using Landsat imagery to inventory and map its irrigated cropland. 
instruments we can use to monitor this balance of nature on Earth is the satellite. Satellites can be used to observe our planet from a high vantage point. A NASA film called Remote Possibilities tells the story. From far out in space, the Earth appears serene and beautiful, displaying no hints of our crowded planet's many problems. As we have used and changed our planet, we have become aware that in many ways we are exhausting exhausting our food supplies, our sources of energy, our natural lands, exhausting the potential of even the once seemingly limitless oceans. Management of Earth resources is at a critical stage. It has never been more important that we understand the environmental relationships of our planet. are striving to apply the technology of the space age, the quest for more and better information about these complex relationships. In 1972, a new kind of satellite left the launch pad and rose to an altitude of 910 kilometers from Earth. There it settled in a circular orbit around the planet. This satellite, called Landsat, opened a new era of Earth resource management. substitute for war has then been found. The Iron Mountain agenda is being carried out. The objectives of the EcoScan? Well, the UN will end up with control over all the land, and ownership of the land will be held by the rich men. There is arising a crisis of worldwide proportions involving developed and developing countries alike, the crisis of the human environment. The process of compromise of national interests will, of course, have to take place. International economic security is inconceivable unless related not only to the world's environment, but also to the elimination of the threat to the world's environment. Well, the only major threat is private property ownership and private property rights where people can do as they want. Let us also think about setting up within the framework of the United Nations a Center for Emergency Environmental Assistance. You can see how they're raising this thing up to an emergency status, an emergency le level. And that's what Mikhail Gorbachev said on December 8, 1989, in a speech to the United Nations. The United Nations will be the controller of all the lands in the world through their various ecological, environmental uh, organizations that they're in the process of setting up. In fact, the real Earth Summit was for that specific reason. Now, it's owned by the rich men. That's who owns the United Nations. That's who actually runs it. Eco Foundations of the World Wildlife Fund, Heritage Trust, Nature Conservancy, etc. Uh, there's a lot of them, and you have many UN organizations. And the rich men of the Earth sit on the boards of directors on all of these groups. These groups are buying up huge chunks of private land for conservation, they say, and to preserve the earth. And of course, all of it is to be owned by the rich men. And what they cannot purchase by normal means will be taken under zoning controls, DNR regulations, or other land grab means via governmental authority and regulation. 
All land will be under strict eco-controls because, after all, we are now involved and in the middle of an eco-emergency, and it's nothing but a scam. It's really a debt-for-land swamp is another part of it. The international bankers loan and control the monies to all the countries and, through interest, have driven them into huge debt status. The debt of the United States is in the trillions. The bankers then come forward with a new plan. They will take the nation's land, and then they will cancel the debt of that nation. It is called a debt-for-land swap. This land will be held by a World Conservation Bank, owned, of course, by the rich men of the earth. They will then own all the land, all the resources, all the food. They become the absolute masters, and all the people become the slaves. It's a perfect scam. It's a perfect system. Because the eco-threat is now global, then obviously it can only be controlled by a global authority. And guess who that is? Why, of course, it's the United Nations. Now, the eco-scam is being pushed by every organization that's involved in the environment. Uh, even Time magazine ran an article on the endangered earth. It's being put in all your children's uh, school books, all of their study books, about the crowding of human life, about how we have such an ecological crisis, an environmental crisis, and unless we all do our share, why the whole world is just going to disintegrate and the entire population of man will be eliminated. That's according to them. It's very interesting that Daniel said of the Antichrist that he shall divide the land for gain. In other words, he takes over all the land and divides it up amongst these various foundation groups. And that's exactly what's happening. that such a menace would offer the last best hope for peace by uniting mankind against the danger of destruction by creatures from other planets or from outer space. Experiments have been proposed to test the credibility of an out-of-the-world invasion threat. It is possible that a few of the more difficult to explain flying saucer incidents are of this nature. The thrust of the second threat is to unite mankind against a common enemy. The escalation of the UFO mystery requires careful media control. The threat must also dovetail into the agenda for a one-world government. Everything that Iron Mountain proposes in all of their substitutes will lead into a one-world government. And that is the whole nature of it. There has been a tremendous amount of interest in UFO activity. Many, many books have been written about it. Uh, the average Christian, I believe, probably poo-poos the whole subject, but we believe here at uh, CIA they're making a tragic mistake when they do that uh, because the Bible uh, does mention some things that would tend to imply very strongly 
that UFOs are in fact real and will be a latter day occurrence uh, just before the end and just before the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, as you can see, here's a book uh, for Christians, UFO End Time Delusion. It is part of the grand delusion that God is going to cast down upon man for the rejection of Jesus Christ in the end. There have been many books written about uh, the government's cover-up of the UFO experience and that the United States government knows exactly what is going on, and we would agree with that uh, from the viewpoint of the scriptures, uh, that the people of the world, the, the governments of the world, the, the highest levels of uh, the powers that be, uh, know exactly what's going on when it comes to the UFO mystery. They do because their mind is controlled by Satan, and he is the author of all of this. It's part of the grand delusion in the end. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now Satan was cast down to earth, and we were to observe it from here. It would appear as though he came down from heaven. For as the days of Noah were, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now Jesus said, so shall it also be. And the days of Noah were quite a few. He lived 950 years before and after the flood. He uh, was there when uh, men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. Now, the book of Enoch gives us some information about that. It happened after the sons of men had multiplied in those days that the daughters were born to them, elegant and beautiful. And when the angels, the sons of heaven, came down, you see, they took wives, each choosing for himself, whom they began to approach and with whom they cohabitated, and uh, teaching them sorcery and incantations. Uh, and uh, the whole situation is one where these were literal fallen angels that came down and mated with the daughters of men, and they produced... Uh, a race of giants, according to the Book of Enoch, and many ancient writings give this interpretation to the Sons of God mystery of Genesis 6. But what is interesting is, is that they said they would return. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in a latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of demons. Now the word seducing comes from the word planos, which, if you do a word study, comes all the way back to where we get our word planet. Could it be that the interpretation is, in the latter time, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to imposters from other planets? That would be the most literal translation, and that is also exactly what is happening. These imposters are actually demons pretending to be from outer space. It is part of the grand delusion.
cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They reject the concept of creation, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. This would result in UFO contacts of the first, second, and third kind as Satan sends his advance guard to prepare man for the grand delusion. On the surface of an average planet, circling an ordinary yellow star, an advanced intelligence searches the skies for evidence of life. by even higher intelligence, machines with brains of silicon patiently sift through faint shards of radio data for the unmistakable signal that will indicate the first sign of life beyond Earth. Now plans for the most sophisticated SETI search ever focus on the Goldstone Deep Space Communication Complex in California's Mojave Desert. It is the site of tests for a possible future NASA project one not yet funded. The full-scale NASA system, when operational in the next decade, would be billions of times more powerful than the sum of all previous searches. For Carl Sagan, a proponent of SETI for many years, this technical progress has made the present unique. For the first time, we're mustering financial, sophisticated, serious uh, scientific searches for extraterrestrial intelligence. There's never been a time like that before. So there is some chance that in the next few decades we will get the signal from some spectacularly distant, spectacularly exotic civilization, and everything on Earth will, as a consequence, change. That is possible. beyond Earth has been debated for centuries. Deciding what sort of signal to look for in the sky is no easy task. NASA's proposed search focuses on radio, a portion of the electromagnetic spectrum where nature produces the least interference for any intelligent signal. The plan is to use existing radio antennas and combine them with advanced computer hardware and software specifically designed for the task. Signal processing equipment suitable for SETI is constantly becoming more powerful and more efficient, but also cheaper and smaller than ever before. The pioneer Frank Drake came up with a way to organize our developing knowledge and current ignorance. SETI scientists often use what's called the Drake Equation to illuminate the necessary conditions for contact and to provide a rough estimate of the number of other civilizations. The existence of other technical civilizations depends upon astronomy, how planets form, comparative planetology, biochemistry, the role of intelligence in evolution, technology, and the 
face of technical civilization. So SETI becomes a way to test our theories of the origin and evolution of the universe and the place of life within it. There are several keys here that we want to look at as we keep Iron Mountain's report in mind. The two primary keys are that evolution is an accepted fact, and ETs are now accepted at the highest levels of government. We believe that the SETI program is camouflage for what is really going on, or the contact uh, reports that have been gotten out from the government under the uh, Freedom of Information Act are in fact uh, cover uh, for the SETI program. But the two, we believe, are going to merge in the end and introduce uh, mankind to the aliens, who are in reality demons uh, and Satan's advanced guard. The movies that are produced are very important. Uh, Satan plants a seed, he waters it, then he sits back and watches it grow, and then he reaps the harvest. And the harvest, of course, is the loss of millions upon millions of men. The Day the Earth Stood Still was produced many years ago, but it's a very, very important film in that it planted the seed. The Day the Earth Stood Still uh, said that war must stop, peace must be enforced, and world government is a requirement to uh, get all of this to happen. The message was very important. E.T., a very, very popular movie, uh, taught us some things as well. It said that reptiles are very cute, that love is the answer, that love heals, but more importantly, that we all in evolve in a different manner. You're going to find evolution at the bottom of all of these movies. And Star Wars is another one. Uh, how famous they were. Well, they're programming the human mind for certain things. One, evolution of the races, good and evil forces, a universal, eternal fight between the forces of good and evil, and more importantly, a federation of planets, a uniting of the nations, a uniting of all the planets. Mankind will evolve upwards and eventually will join an intergalactic civilization. And this is the important keynotes in every one of these movies. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind was a very, very important film. It, was, it bases itself on evolution, to that the United Nations is a central player in that movie. The U.S. military is connected to the United Nations in that movie, and that mankind will join interplanetary civilization. It starts by contact, by uh, exchanges of the races. In other words, some of our people go there, and some of their people come here. Now, something surfaced uh, not too long ago called Majestic 12 that dealt with government contact with aliens. A lot of people laugh at this document and think it's a hoax. Our research against the Bible would say that it is not a hoax that this actually is legitimate and that contact has been made. Operation Majestic 12 is a top-secret research and development intelligence operation established by special classified executive order of President Truman. Those took place uh, back some years ago. Very interesting, however, what Majestic 12 sets up. 
a rancher reported that one, a UFO, had crashed in a remote region of New Mexico. Now, you might have even seen this uh, replayed on uh, Unsolved Mysteries. They ran uh, a series on this. A secret operation was begun to assure recovery of the wreckage of this object. Aerial reconnaissance discovered that fall of four small human-like beings had ejected from the craft. All four were dead. News reporters were given the effective story that the object had been a weather balloon. They are discounting the UFOs to the public while they gather the evidence uh, secretly. The biological and evolutionary, there's your key, processes responsible for their development has apparently been quite different from those in Homo sapiens. Evolution is then a proven fact insofar as the government is concerned. They have accepted evolution as an established fact. The aliens then did not evolve as we did. This is the very basis of the grand delusion. It's creation versus evolution. Evolution is essential for the grand delusion because men reject the creation of the world and people by Jesus Christ. So it's very important you understand that evolution is the keynote. The ultimate intentions of these visitors is completely unknown, the report said. But if you read the Bible, you will know they are demons and you will know they are the advanced guard of Satan and that they are setting up the world for its final uh, ruin and taking of people into eternal hell. Uh, UFOs are real. There's no question about that they are real. The only question is, is what are they? And if you take the evidence of the scriptures, uh, definitely we believe here at least that they are the sons of God returning just exactly as they said they would in a, all the occultic literature talks about this. Now, there is an area out west called Area 51, uh, Groom Lake. Uh, there's also Tonopah. Uh, there are several areas uh, from which Project Red Light was developed as a top-secret testing program for alien technology for defense purposes. This is very interesting that a lot of this stuff is uh, being leaked right at this moment uh, as we get into this. A congressman said, I have no comment as to what is going on in Area 51. That was Congressman Harry Reid, and he went out there to visit the area because the Air Force had made a land grab, and he went out there on behalf of his constituents to find out why. It is said that President Eisenhower signed a treaty with actual aliens in 1957. The swap was they could take our people for experimentation and we would get technology in exchange. In other words, the aliens come to Earth, we take their technology to build our defense mechanisms. Now, a lot of people think this is ridiculous, but if you read what it says about Babylon the Great, the nation, it gets all of its technology from Satan. Satan is the one that gives them the power. And this is why the United Nations is being brought up. And this is why the United States is so deeply involved. In, in exchange for technology, the U.S. government agreed to allow the aliens to abduct humans for experiments. And this accounts for the large number of abductions reported all over America. 
This is part of the grand delusion, which has evolution at the root of it. Now you have actually two options. All of the leaks of this type of information are disinformation, where it is real, and the aliens really are here. The Bible evidence would be that it is real, the aliens are here, and that they are the advanced guard for Satan. He's programming the human race for this delusion, and it's based upon evolution. The sons of God of Genesis 6 have returned, as they said they would in occult writings. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so would it be again. And that's when the sons of God came down. So therefore, the agenda of Iron Mountain for external threat number two has been and is being carried out. Uh, scientists are even going to the UN now to find out how are we going to answer these uh, aliens from our SETI contacts at NASA. They believe the UN should do all of this. And so you see it elevates the United Nations to power. This is very important. It's part of the Iron Mountain of, uh, agenda. It might be argued that a well-armed international police force operating under the authority of such a supernatural court could well serve this purpose. In other words, they're going to set up a, another threat. This is threat number three, actually, an omnipresent, virtually omnipotent political or police force. It's, uh, it's an international police force. Because remember, if we go into peace, we have to dissolve the nations, because war is the reason we have nations. All right? So the report then that was issued by the State Department, Freedom from War, and the program was to establish a permanent international peace force within the United Nations. In other words, to deliberately bring it up. Peacekeeping capabilities of the United Nations would be sufficiently strong and the obligations of all states under such an arrangement sufficiently far-reaching as to assure peace and a just settlement of, difficult, of differences in a disarmed world. Uh, they're going to use the United Nations to keep the peace. In other words, a world government, which is exactly what Daniel talked about and Jesus talked about. And uh, it's very deadly. During stage two, states will develop further the peacekeeping processes of the United Nations to the end that the United Nations can effectively uh, suppress any threat or use of force by anyone. And that would include the uh, America, the American people. It's going to be omnipresent. And it's going to be omnipotent in its ability to handle. And this is what Revelation says, who can make war with the beast? Remember that the U.S. and the Russia are to have their internal uh, or militaries turned over to the United Nations in this three-stage process, and we end up with the U.N. in total control of the world, a global entity precisely as Daniel and Revelation talk about it's uh, And Jeremiah and Isaiah refer to it as, of course, Babylon. And this process, of course, emerges bringing out the United Nations 
as the final end-time global ruling entity, which the Bible refers to as the apparatus of the Antichrist, or we could say the Antichrist system. And that is why it sits in New York City, the big city. On the wall in the Security Council is the Phoenix. That picture you're looking at right there is, in reality, the Phoenix bird, uh, which is to grow up out of the old world order. America is to be patrolled by Russian, Belgian, Irish, and Colombian and Venezuelan troops under this plan. Uh, UN troops are already on U.S. soil, and it won't be very long before these sites that you're seeing right here are going to be very commonplace in the United States. And if the American citizens resist, they are simply going to be liquidated according to the Bible. Uh, this power will come to pass. They've laid their plans well, and God has ordained it uh, uh, and allowed it and is allowing it to happen. And so it's, in reality, here in America, it's a judgment against the United States. Uh, there are many books written about a United Nations Peace Force, so this is not anything we're making up. Uh, they come in under the, the U.N. Charter. The last part of it, this principle of non-interfering in a nation shall not prejudice the application of enforcement measures under Chapter 7. In other words, the United Nations claims that it doesn't really want to get involved in, interna in internal national affairs, but the opposite is in, react in reality the truth. Chapter 7 deals with action with respect to threats of the peace, breaches of the peace, or acts of aggression. And it's the Security Council itself that determines the existence of a threat, breach, or act of aggression. And it can even walk in under the threat, or it's a possibility that we might have problems. And they determine the existence of any threat to the peace. So they can come in if they choose to on very fragile grounds, which is exactly what they did in Somalia. Should the Security Council consider that measures provided in 41, which are more economic I don't know exactly what word to use, but sanctions, I guess, is the best word to cover. If that doesn't work, if economic sanctions do not work, then they can resort to military powers. And they can use whatever they have to to maintain or restore international peace. Now, Psalm 2 says that the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Where do the rulers of the world meet? They meet at the United Nations. And this is where they take their counsel together. And the United Nations is, according to the Bible, anti-Christ, anti-God to its very core. It is, in fact, the substitute for God and Christ on planet Earth. They intend to take it for themselves. The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon Earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and shall break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings. Now, it's a diverse kingdom. The United Nations is not a kingdom, and it's not a nation. It exists solely by treaty power, by an arrangement of nations itself. 
excuse me, the United Nations is to be brought up to full global power with an army so powerful that none can fight against it. That's the entire plan, and that is exactly what the Bible talks about for the end times. It will also break into pieces the entire world, and that's done under Article 52, which deals with regionalism, which is, in fact, breaking the world into pieces. <clears throat> and this is how they do it. They actually subdivide the world into ten regions. That came out of the Club of Rome, and here are the regions on, on the uh, TV screen. Uh, region 1, of course, is uh, North America, and it's Region 1 by virtue of the fact that it, North America, and particularly the United States, are the is the primary power behind the United Nations enabling this to happen. The United States itself is broken down into 10 federal regions. We have global regions, and now we have national regions. And in our country, they are simply called uh, federal regions. And we're moving, in, a, in effect, from elected officials to an appointed officials to non-elected bureaucrats who are appointed. Now, each region has uh, different states in it, and the number of states varies with each particular region. Then each state is subdivided up into its particular regions. Many times it falls along county lines. Many times it doesn't. Overlapping all of it is, of course, a, a grid to keep getting smaller and smaller, which is the reason why thousands or millions, actually, of Americans are getting address changes. They're going under the United Nations grid system, which divides the world into tiny pieces, which is exactly what Daniel said. They can get it right down to your house number. In fact, they can get it down to about 10 square yards of turf. NASA's Landsat 4 satellite, shown here just before its trip into space, was launched from the Western Test Range by a Delta rocket. This Landsat is the fourth in a series of NASA spacecraft designed to continuously collect accurate information on Earth's resources. More than 100 nations will make use of the information gathered by Landsat 4 in land use planning, mineral exploration, and agriculture. Landsat project scientist Dr. Vincent Solomonson described a new instrument on the satellite called the thematic mapper. In urban planning, the thematic mapper will be very effective. Features that were blurred or hazy over cities as viewed by the, the multispectral scanner on Landsats 1 through 3 will be seen much more clearly from the thematic mapper. And as a result, urban planners will be able to manage and monitor the of the urban sprawl into the surrounding countryside. The major receiving and processing facility for Landsat data is located at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. After completing its three-year mission, Landsat 4 is designed to be retrieved by the space shuttle. Okay, standing by for up telemetry command reset. So what we have are 10 federal regions. We have 10 federal regional councils, which are miniature Washingtons, in each federal capital. We're being regionalized, and pretty soon there won't be any such thing as counties or states. 
So what we're doing is we're going from county and state control to total federal control, and then the federal government's losing its control to the United Nations. This is globalism. This leads to the federalization of our police or the security forces within the United States. And this is really in total violation of the constitutional implications, but they're not paying any attention to the Constitution. The internal security forces are not your peacekeeping, UN peacekeeping troops. Uh, peacekeeping troops are there to put down uh, actual revolutions and, and wars. The internal security forces are there more for crime control and the rounding up of people. Predominantly, the MJTF police will be the national police force. And this is George Bush and Clinton and the rest of them have continuously pushed this arms control treaty because they have to disarm us in order to make this thing work. If you will recall, we discussed that in the constitutional crisis. The MJTF police means multi-jurisdictional task force police, and it removes all citizens from local, county, and state protections that you had under the law, and they're just abolishing all of this. And the MJTF police mission, we believe, is the house-to-house -house search and seizure of uh, people. It's made up of National Guard units, state and local police, convert street gangs as needed into uh, deputized police. House-to-house -house search and seizure, separa uh, separation and categorization of men, women, and children as prisoners in large, war, uh, large areas. Now, you have to understand that in order to liquidate the millions of people that Jesus Christ says are going to be liquidated, they have to plan this out long before it happens. 1965, they started the Office of Law Enforcement Assistance. Then came in 1968 the Omnibus Crime Control Act, which converted the OLEA to the Law Enforcement Assistance Administration. They called, in turn, in 1971 for a regionalized police force. In 1971, an advisory commission on intergovernmental relations issued a pamphlet called uh, M67, which called for a special multi-county and interstate police force. In other words, the merging of all police forces into one federal group. The LEAA in 1973 made calls for the elimination by merger of small police forces. This is exactly what Germany did under Hitler. All dictatorships have two common characteristics, general confiscation of guns in order to prevent internal rebellion and the establishment of a national police force to enforce the edicts of the dictator. We are following Nazi Germany almost to the exact letter. Uh, Carter issued an executive order 12148, and he established the Federal Emergency Management Agency known as FEMA. FEMA absorbed the LEAA and became the primary control organization for internal security of the United States in an emergency. They're gearing this thing towards an emergency. That emergency is going to be World War III, and it ushers in this whole system. They, they, FEMA has many interesting programs, Rex 82 Bravo, Rex 84 Alpha, Helix 2, Rex Alpha, Night Train, Cable Splicer, Garden Plot. These are all 
martial law training exercises. The plan is to bring America under martial law. We believe they know the American people would never accept this system except an external emergency were given. Uh, the UN system, remember, is a martial law military system. And in the executive orders of FEMA, mandatory registration of all people, including babies and children in the United States, at the United States Post Office. They have boxes in them. We already know about it. Uh, they're marked for emergency use only. Uh, the primary one here to look at is 11,000 seizure of all civilians and work brigades, which is in reality slavery. It includes the rights to split up families as well. In essence, what will happen in America is going to be worse than the communist revolution in Russia. This plan provides the basis for the deployment and employment of military resources, including National Guard personnel, for civilian disturbances. So Iron Mountain external threat number three has been and is now being implemented. An omnipotent police force. Next on the list is the space program as an economic substitute for war. It is the development of a long-range sequence of space research projects with largely unattainable goals. It's the nearest modern equivalent yet devised to pyramid building and similar ritualistic enterprises of ancient societies. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the other two. running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. 
Neil Armstrong reporting the roll and pitch program, which puts Apollo 11 on a proper heading.
And toward that end, NASA has begun looking at the next logical step, a possible future space station, a permanent presence in space. The station would serve as a scientific and technological laboratory, as well as an operation space from which satellites could be serviced and large structures assembled. One of the highest priorities is to develop a clear understanding of a station's proper role in the total space program, so that if and when it is proposed for development, the station will be a truly significant national asset, one that would ensure continued American preeminence in space. The space program in general, and the shuttle program in particular, going a long way to help our country recapture its spirit of vitality and confidence. The pioneer spirit still flourishes in America. In the future, as in the past, our freedom, independence, and national well-being will be tied to new achievements, new discoveries, and pushing back new frontiers. We must look aggressively to the future by demonstrating the potential of the shuttle and establishing a more permanent presence in space. Even when ratified, the INF Treaty will not totally eliminate the nuclear threat to Eurasia. The vast nuclear arsenal possessed by the USSR and the variety of delivery systems available still present a significant threat. The organization of fail-safe inspection machinery could well be ritualized in a manner similar to that of established military processes. Inspection teams might be very like armies, and their technical equipment might be very like weapons. Inflating the inspection budget, in other words, what they want to do is they want to expand this. So what do we have? The INF Treaty, uh, where it says inspection machinery could well be ritualized, according to Iron Mountain. Inspection teams might be very uh, like very armies. And that's exactly what has happened. We have a great ritual of disarmament. It's very interesting what you find when you start digging into the INF treaty hearings. Uh, limited test ban. Let's take a look at all the treaties. Limited test ban, 1963, non-proliferation, 1968, the ABM treaty, 1972, the SALT I, the SALT II, the IMF treaty. Very long, drawn-out process. And this is exactly what Iron Mountain recommended be done. It is uh, one of the most important elements of the INF Treaty is the president establishes in this area operating on-site inspection. One layer of the regime, it says on the last sentence, builds upon another. And it, the whole thing becomes elongated, and it actually becomes a monster in and of itself. The data exchanges required are really immense, and so it requires an elaborate governmental uh, system in order to accommodate all of this. And so Iron Mountain recommendation number two has definitely been implemented. The second one is the universal health care was a recommendation of Iron Mountain. Universal health care for all. It's an economic substitute for the war economy. It's very interesting how all of this works. Health, 
drastic expansion of medical research, education, and training facilities, hospital and clinic construction, the general objective of complete government-guaranteed health care for all. That's exactly what Clinton has introduced to the American people. He announced a universal health care and mandatory insurance program. And so they're putting everything in place exactly as Iron Mountain told them to do. It's universal, and you cannot exempt yourself from it, and it is causing a lot of trouble uh, around the nation. But the arguments are not going to be on that basis. What is going to happen is we're going to be issued eventually a global identification card, and that is the purpose of this whole thing. The medical card has only one purpose, that's to get the foot in the door for the MARC system. Iron Mountain's third recommendation is being implemented. Iron Mountain Economic Substitute number four, a new educational system to bring in globalism under the United Nations, UNESCO, Congressional Record, the Great Conspiracy to Destroy the United States, Education for Freedom and World Understanding. You see, all of this is designed to bring us into a world system, a global system, under the control of the United Nations. The second manifesto of the U.S. Office of Education, the implementation of the program of surrender through education. In other words, they destroy Americans' uh, national pride and put us under the United Nations. And the NEA uh, is leading in this. They even say it themselves, teaching about globalism and the world system. They say enduring peace cannot be attained until the nation states surrender to a world organization. This was found out during the Reese Committee hearings in Congress. Uh, putting the evidence together, we conclude the NEA has been an important element in the tax-exempt world to indoctrinate American youth with internationalism, which is synonymous with uh, a lot of uh, communist, uh, luminist, whatever you want to call it. The Iron Mountain agenda is being carried out. Outcome-based education, the developing of leaders for restructuring the schools, change agents, Parents are beginning to get upset, but they are not putting it together. American 2000, a national strategy strategy to change every nation, every family. Uh, everything is going down exactly as Iron Mountain said it should. Uh, global education is nothing more than the promotion of the United Nations and to destroy the Constitution of the United States to bring us out from the Constitution and to merge us into the UN. That's what they're going to do, to improve learning and teaching by providing a national framework for educational reform, to promote research, consensus building, and systematic changes needed to ensure, you see, everything has to be changed. Guess where the changes all lead to? And guess who's behind it? If you look, Robert Mueller, former U.N. Secretary General to the U.N., member of the Planetary Citizens, wrote the Global Core Curriculum, Marilyn Ferguson, the Aquarian Conspiracy, New Age. This is all being integrated into the educational system of America. And it's called...
and it is extremely subversive. The national and international power play for education, it's going to go through because God has decreed it will go through, and UNESCO is behind it. Gorbachev, we parted with the old world, rejecting it once and for all. We are moving towards a new world, the world of communism. We shall never depart from it. Books are on the market explaining all of this. We don't have time in this video to get into it. But Iron Mountain Recommendation 4 is being implemented. Iron Mountain Sociological Substitute for War, Slavery. Another possible surrogate for the control of potential enemies of society is the reintroduction in some form consistent with modern technology and political processes of slavery. For the control of potential enemies of a society, anyone that does not agree with the new world order is an enemy of society and is therefore subject to slavery. Detention centers and concentration camps, work camps, are associated with forced labor, which is in reality slavery. Seizure under the executive orders of all civilians and work brigades, that's forced labor, that's slavery, which includes the rights to split up families. There are uh, concentration camps, detention centers, all over the United States set up under FEMA, under Rex 84, and there are presently, to the last count we had, 130 such facilities in the United States of America. In Arizona, you'll see, uh, for example, some there. Uh, we've got one here in Wisconsin. Concentration camps for U.S. citizens. Uh, the MJTF police to conduct house-and-house -house search and seizure and separation and categorization of men, women, and children and babies categorization and transfer to detention facilities and the running of detention facilities. Iron Mountain Slavery recommendation number two is, is mandatory service, a form of universal service turned to some variant form of the Peace Corps or the Job Corps. It is entirely possible that the development of a sophisticated form of slavery may be an absolute prerequisite for social control in a world of peace. Now, this is just incredible when you really stop and look at what they're actually saying in relationship to biblical prophecies. Remember, Jesus said they're going to round you up and kill you. President Clinton has authorized boot camps for young offenders. Is this the beginning of a larger scale for social reorientation like the communists do? Uh, America 2000, the national plan that's going into our schools, requires mandatory community service. There are calls going out all the time. Bush and Clinton have called for mandatory community service for all youth. Up to, say, two years, mandatory service. You can serve in the service or some uh, other place, but you are going to serve. So the substitute for war is being implemented. Iron Mountain sociological substitute for war number two is called blood games. Game theorists have suggested in other contexts the development of blood games for the effective control of individual aggressive impulses. More realistically, such a ritual might be socialized in the manner of the Spanish Inquisition 
and the less formal witch trials of other periods for the purposes of social purification, state security, or other rationale both acceptable and credible to post-war societies. Inquisitions, witch trials for the purpose of social purification, state security, which is the key one, such a ritual might be socialized. In other words, they make it into a big social event like the Inquisitions were. We saw part of that beginning to unravel when we watched the Branch Davidian invasion and subsequent massacre of David Koresh and his group. A lot went down at Waco that very few Christians understand. David Koresh, the Branch Davidians, were demonized by the national media, first of all. They were tried, judged, and executed in a social ritual in total violation of every right guaranteed under state and federal constitutions. The Waco massacre followed all points of ritualized killing. They were a cult. It was for social purification, and therefore they deserved what they got. Their compound was raided by federal assault groups when, in fact, there was no evidence of any crime having been committed. Yesterday's action ended in a horrible human tragedy. Mr. Koresh's response to the demands for his surrender by federal agents was to destroy himself and murder the children who were his captives, as well as all the other people who were there who did not survive. He killed those he controlled and he bears ultimate responsibility for the carnage that ensued. ...in the papers before I was going to go to court. Uh, they called me the white supremacist and all that. Victims of demonization that we that we all are victims of. When the federal government decides that it's going to prosecute somebody, they sort of demonize them. Well, do you want to uh, do you want to give your uh, federal agents that um, leeway to just say? When they kill American citizens, that things just, they just went wrong. We just have a mother here dead. We have a little boy dead. And it just things went wrong. agents that they had been ordered to kill the Weavers regardless of any threat family members posed to government personnel. Now, I want you to think about how serious that is. What was the charge against Vicki Weaver? What crime against the state had she committed that warranted her execution by the federal government? Indeed, she was not charged with any crime whatsoever, yet the U.S. government ordered her shot on sight. A virtual 
of killing. It was murder in the first degree. It is cold-blooded, ritualistic, social purification because the Weavers held a viewpoint not politically correct. The Weaver case, along with the Branch Davidians, proves we are in the middle of the final battle for the Constitution of the United States. There are many, many enemies within America that want to get rid of our Constitution and destroy our rights. The war has now shifted from a paper and legal war to an overt shooting war, and we feel it's going to get far worse. Uh, they came against this thing to see what their reaction of the American people would be, and they found out that the American people cheered them on. So we are ready for a complete takeover. A spotlight put out a small publication on FEMA in case of emergency. Uh, executive orders, Blueprint for Dictatorship, also is one of their publications. Now, an executive order is issued by the President of the United States. It does not go through the Senate or the Congress. He merely issues it. It's put in a federal register, and within 30 days it has full effect of law, and nobody passes upon it. Now, that's fine, and he has some rights to do that, but not contrary to the Constitution of the United States. FEMA uh, developed national security emergency plans for the regulation of immigration, nationals of enemy countries, plans to implement laws for the control of persons entering or leaving the United States, uh, develop intergovernmental and interagency law enforcement plans and counterterrorism programs to interdict and respond to terrorism incidents in the United States, that may result in a national security emergency to interdict and respond to terrorism incidents in the United States. Now, this is a key that they're beginning to use. Under the new Crime Control Act, particularly under the Crime Control Bill Number 8, which is now before the Congress, a protester can be charged with terrorism. And this paves the way for the government to declare all those who oppose the New World Order as terrorists and therefore imprison them because you will be a political dissenter. To develop law enforcement plans to respond to civil disturbances. These people know perfectly well there's going to be major disturbance when this thing finally comes in. So they, they want all bases covered by law. So that's their rationale. They will legally be able to do this. You don't think it's going to happen. This is exactly uh, the executive order issued by George Bush to quell the Los Angeles riots. L.A. went under martial law. Very few people understand what that means, but it means, in essence, that this Constitution in Los Angeles was totally suspended. And it says in there that units and members of the armed forces of the United States and federal law enforcement, uh, enforcement officers will be used to suppress the violence. In other words, it's, they're federalizing everything, and that's what happens under martial law, and to restore law and orders. They can also call up members of the National Guard. That's a key point. The militarization the nation. They're putting it under military law. If Americans do not want the new world order and they resist, America will go under immediate martial law 
rather than through the staged program into a martial law system, which is what the UN is. Also included to coordinate all federal agencies assisting in the suppression of violence and the administration of justice. Martial law suspends the Constitution of the United States. The UN is to be brought up to full power, and it will rule through martial law via a three-tier military martial law system. The first one we're going to actually look at is called FinCEN. And uh, FinCEN, from the data we can get, it's not only a financial uh, controlling sector, but it has to do with uh, other things. Their equipment is black, and there are reports of a multitude of black helicopters all over the United States. We get calls on it virtually every day from someone who's just had them flying over the house. The FAA says that the black paint schemes are used on helicopters by the Drug Enforcement Agency and the U.S. Army Special Operations. Here is a map of FinCEN locations in the United States, and these are confirmed, they claim. Uh, we have not been able to verify it. We're bringing this to you strictly unverified for troop deployment locations in the United States of America. Uh, there's been a, a fairly consistent reporting in Montana of UN combat uh, groups. Uh, they are in reality the top tier in the UN system and entrance to the U.S. was by presidential executive order uh, 11-1190 signed by President Bush and uh, there are many uh, battle group locations and there are many multi-jurisdictional task force police which are the third tier or the lowest on the UN police force and it is in reality from what we can gather is the federalization of the police forces in America and putting them in reality under the United Nations command uh, which we go under that would be for the detention centers uh, concentration camps for dissenters are part of this overall system for the roundup of people. Now, one of the largest ones is in Alaska. The Alaskan camp is the biggest, being over one million acres, and it's located just outside of Fairbanks, according to reports, and it's serviced by a spur line called the Alaskan Railroad. That's very interesting because under the emergency orders under FEMA, one of the railroads that gets activated and falls under their control is the Alaskan Railway. And so we're beginning to find out that all of this uh, goes together. The Alaskan camp was purchased under a mental health bill. And, of course, you have to understand that they are using mental health as one of their primary uh, methods of warfare. The Iron Mountain recommendations for an inquisition for social purification are also confirmed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. This is predominantly a move against Christians and Jesus Christ. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. 
and think to change times and laws. See, that's exactly what they're doing right now. They're changing all the laws. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. And in Revelation 17, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And this is actually, you're going to find out, has much to do with the United Nations. Iron Mountain substitute for war blood games has been, in effect, implemented and is being carried out. Ecological, considering the shortcomings of war as a mechanism of selective population control, it might appear that a devising substitutes for this function should be comparatively simple. In other words, war kills off some people, and so now we have to have an ecological substitute for that function, and it really boils down to total population control. Current trends in warfare, the increased strategic bombing of civilians, and the greater military importance now attached to the destruction of sources of supply, as opposed to purely military bases, strongly suggests that a truly qualitative improvement is in the making. In other words, as we phase down the war system, there's probably going to be one great last one in their plans to really reduce the world population. There is no question but that a universal requirement that procreation be limited to the products of artificial insemination would provide a fully adequate substitute control for the population. A universal requirement that procreation be limited to products. See how they treat people. Conception and embryonic growth taking place wholly under laboratory conditions would extend these controls to their logical conclusion. Now, total and complete control, this is what this means, of every human being born, they will be pre-selected genetically to be a slave to the rich men of the earth. This is the system they're setting up. They have an intermediate step, total control of conception with a variant of the pill via water supplies or certain essential foodstuffs. In other words, they intend to, when they bring in this new system, they will stop the growth of the population. They will put it into the food or the water supplies, and then they would offset it by a controlled um, substance so that it could be countermanded and the woman become pregnant. And they claim in Iron Mountain that it was already under uh, investigation and under work back in 1961. So the interpretation is the mandatory mass sterilization of the human race with them in total control of all the antidotes for it. Excess population, Iron Mountain says, is war material. As long as any society must contemplate even a remote possibility of war, it must maintain a maximum supportable population.
food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe, all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Elodie Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Monday, March 16, 2015. Good afternoon, Al. Good morning. Hey, happy Monday to you, Spring. Oh, it's Monday. Four days away. I'm trying to sweet talk me with some happy Monday stuff, you know? <laughs> I love Mondays. Oh, yeah. I do. I love Mondays. Had a good day today. People were taking advantage of the lower prices in gold and silver, and uh, they're still hanging up at 11.54, 11.55 level. Gold was down 4.60 today. Silver down three at 15.72, but they were all off their highs of the day. We had 11.64 for gold and 15.86 for silver. So not a bad day. Platinum, yes, it's down, and it's not a good day, but it wasn't a bad day. Uh, platinum is down 11, 11.09, and palladium down 14 at 7.81. USDX today, well, that's down 0.55, 99.63, taking crude oil down with it, 0.98 at 43.86. And the paper market today had a good day, of course. Everybody's holding their breath for the Fed meeting this week. To see if they see what they're going to use or, or how are they going to uh, address the word patient. They now, say the word patient again. Well, they might remove it, so we'll have to just to see. You know, I've been pins and needles, Melody. We'll have to, we we will just have to be patient. Will she say ibbity bobbity boo? <laughs> but you Alice, she looks like the blue fairy in the Cinderella film. Mm-hmm. You understand that? Mm-hmm. She does look like the blue fairy, can it, y'all? 
So maybe you should say ibbity bobbity boo instead of patient, and the markets will and the markets will roar. Well, I think they're roaring in the anticipation they're already going to like what she said. Perhaps they've already released to the markets what she's going to say. The Dow was up 227 points, 17,997. The Nasdaq was up 57 at 49.29, along with the S&P up 27 was also 2,000. Isn't that interesting? They all ended in sevens. That's why I always say they're just computer digits that they put in there. 227, 57, and 27 to the upside. But, you know, anyway, the S&P 2,081. 10-year yield, 2.10%. The yen, boy, it had a terror today. It actually, over the weekend, and hit 104. 104. And now, it's at 106, so it had a, you know, didn't like the 104, um, so it is coming back. The fear and greed indicator is still showing we're 42 to the fear. Uh, that's the emotion that is driving the markets. It would be hard to tell that uh, with a two with a 227 point uh, to the upside doesn't seem to indicate any type of fear that is there. But uh, you know what. The heck do we know about the indicators? But uh, certainly, uh, oh, Federal Reserve is going to begin a two-day meeting tomorrow, and uh, they'll release any information whether they're going to consider raising interest rates for the first time. And uh, they did signal in a statement after the meeting um, that they were considering their last meeting that they were considering raising interest rates later this year. Policymakers have said they would be patient when it came to raising interest rates. And of course, investors are looking to see if the Fed removes that word from its next statement. Yet U.S. What do you think they're going to do? Well, do you think they will raise interest rates? Do you think they'll simply say we're still going to postpone it till the end of the year? What do you think they'll do? Well, they're going to do the same thing as they did with QE. You know, they have all this hoopla for how long, talking about they're going to raise rates, they're going to raise rates, they're going to raise rates. You know, so I think they'll probably do just a little baby step to see how the markets react. I don't think we'll see any significant increase in rates. The markets can't withstand it. So, um, you know, if she, doesn't, if she doesn't raise rates, then it's telling us that, gee, the economy is not doing as well as the Washington is lying about. Yeah, so, you know, so I think they'll do just a teeny weeny. If and you think they'll do that this week? No, not this week. No, 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 okay. no, no. Probably come June or um, July, maybe. That's possible. It's possible. But do I don't before. expect them to do anything other than talk about it right now. Oh, no, 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 nothing. Then... No, 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 nothing this week. No, 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 no. Uh, the, the direction has been uh, perhaps by June uh, they'll do some sort, and I, I concur with that. They're certainly not going to do it in, in September or October if there's a bad reaction. So if they're going to test the waters, it will be in, you know, June would be a good time to do it. Uh, that way they have time to, you know, if it has a big impact, they'll be able to reverse it be- before we head into the fall where there's always been, uh, you know, significant volatility in the markets um and hey if the markets go up after they do a teeny weeny little rate uh, adjustment well you know and then they're not going to the markets great. go up 
you think the markets will go up? I don't think they will, but if they did, you got to remember these markets are manipulated. Well, I, I understand that, but there's a limit to how much manipulation they can do. And the problem I see is so long as, the, from my perspective, so long as there's evidence of deflation and the dollar is growing more valuable, that's lethal to borrowers. If you're already in debt and, you know, everybody took out the loan on the house because you could pay it off in cheaper dollars, we anticipated inflation. So you'd be able to get over on the banks and the creditors and yay pay it off in cheaper dollars that encourages people to take out loans and buy houses if we are in a period of deflation you pay it off in more expensive dollars and that's where we appear to be at least in as if we can believe what we see from the u.s dollar index the dollar's value is growing prices are in many instances falling and it's lethal for people that are borrowing money because they have to pay it off in more in more expensive dollars. I mean, the dollar is up in, according to U.S. dollar index. It's up by 25% last eight months. All right? That means if you borrowed $100,000, you're sitting on $100,000 debt. That debt has now increased to $125,000 in terms of purchasing power. You'll still pay off $100,000 but it'll be equivalent to $125,000 in purchasing power as compared to $100,000 just you know, last, last March or whenever. Um, it, it's, it's dangerous, for uh, dangerous, difficult, anathema for borrowers. And who's the biggest borrower in the world? The United States government. So I just don't see one to raise interest rates would be to increase even more so. It would tend to increase how much you're paying back on your loans. A lot of people won't be able to make the payments. Well, I agree. I tried to give both both sides to see what would happen either way is why, but I really don't believe. Um, I mean, I just don't think the, the economy can withstand a higher rate. Yeah, I think that's the I mean, they say we're I mean, we, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just absolutely be no patient. way. Be patient. We'll get to you, but not right now. And, uh, you know, so does the economy, the markets have, you know, are only fluid based on where they're keeping the uh, lending rate. So uh, it's been at this level for six years. Uh, and of course, we see it's, you know, uh, part of the the ability to have a you know the, this rally in the stocks, so you know the, there's no way they're going to reverse it unless they're planned um, and ready to do. But we also have the debt ceiling that was supposed to expire today. Nothing on that. Other than I came across uh, some information uh, late last week. Uh, you have uh, Jack Lou. He's you know doing some emergency changes, uh, um, not paying some things and so forth and in order to, to keep the government functioning. But, uh, you know, people say the debt ceiling doesn't mean anything anymore. But, hey, um, you'd think they at least talk about it and, and show where this country is headed, that uh, we are at these uh, significant degrees of, of debt, uh, that things are not improving. But... Uh, not only not improving, in some regards they can't improve. They're declining. We've painted ourselves into the place between the rock and the hard uh, surface, and uh, now what? 
mean, there's not a graceful exit on this. There's not a painless exit, although it may be that they can postpone our day of reckoning for some significant period of time. We don't know that the day of reckoning is coming in weeks, months, or years. The day of reckoning is coming just the same when someone's going to have to admit can't pay the debt. Guess what? Can't pay it. And at that point in time, terrible things are going to happen in this country. Yeah, Germany's DAX, it rose 2.2%. It's over 12,000. It's the first time the index has closed above 12,000. I mean, you know, it's everything you read, and, and I got some information here on Germany. There's a lot of uh, people over in Germany who, who don't like the direction in which uh, little Merkel is taking them. And uh, you have uh, Francis uh, Cax, it rose uh, 1% to over 5,000. So these European stocks, you know, have uh, once they started uh, doing this. Uh, and it's funny, the European Central Bank's been talking about their stimulus for over a year, and it's now just uh, the stocks are just really surging this year. Um, but are they surging, or are they simply responding to inflation? I mean, they're trying to cause inflation. They are, uh, if they do, then we can presume prices will go up, including for their markets. Well, I assume since the euro is dropping out of bed, that... Uh, It'll be good. It'll be good to sell exports to foreign countries, but insofar as they inflate the currency, it's also going to raise domestic prices. Mm-hmm. It's good that's for international prices. It's bad for domestic prices, or at least that's the way I view it. Mm-hmm. There Which was means you know it's one of the problems we have when we start fooling around with these fiat currencies. It means one thing if you're selling, if you're in France, and you're selling things to Germany, it may be a good thing. If you're in France buying things made in France, it's a bad thing. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Who's really benefits from this stuff? And on top of which, when you begin to look at the, the problems you have, just trying to comprehend what's going on with inflation, deflation, changes in the value of your currency, that's happening to some degree all over the world right now. And it has to be confusing for most people because we tend to look at a dollar bill as a dollar bill. And we're inclined to think, well, yeah, the price is fixed. No, it's not. You know, and it could go up. Your dollar could be worth more. It could be worth less. There are people, if, you had, if you've got $100,000 stored away in your bank account or wherever, depending on the whims of people in positions of power, Maybe you've got a hundred thousand dollars in purchasing power there. Maybe you got maybe you have eighty thousand dollars in purchasing power. Maybe you have a hundred and twenty thousand dollars in purchasing power, even though you still have one hundred thousand dollars nominal nominal size of your savings in that account, no matter what. What does that mean, and how can people be expected to even understand it? Again, it's like using a rubber ruler measure the distance from Dallas to Fort Worth. You know, it depends. If you stretch the if you stretch the ruler, the distance will be relatively short. If you compress the ruler, the distance will be relatively long. It just becomes confusing where you look at it and all you say is at times you feel like, oh my God, I don't even want to make the effort to understand. But you have to, because if you don't, 
you will probably wind up being impoverished. Maybe, I don't know if that's what people in positions of power want. I don't know if that's something they're willing to, they're just willing to tolerate. I don't know what's going on at times, but when you don't have a standard and stable system of values, very difficult, very difficult to follow what's happening and to have confidence that whatever's happening today will happen tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now. I think in the end, that loss of confidence, that confusion spawns a loss of confidence. Government tells you repeatedly that confidence is essential to operating the economy and maintaining what is perceived to be the value of the dollar or the worth of the dollar. It's all about public confidence. I don't think this confusion inspires confidence because people don't know what should I do. Should I buy a home right now, Melody, or should I sell a home I'm living in? What, what is, what, what's the, the reason, most sensible financial choice? The reason people are confused because we're not – people who try to understand and listen to this program like this while we talk about it and relay the, 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 where we find the truth about it is we live in a world of reality. We want to learn reality. We want to know what reality is. Mm-hmm. When you're getting the information that defines the reality, uh, it, it, that's the part where it becomes confusing because we all understand. We understand what's going on. We understand what's going on with this country and around the world. We understand that there's an agenda. We understand the new world order. We understand those that are behind it. We understand about the bankers and the and the stripping and putting putting us all into slaves and they take everything that we make. We get all that. What we don't get is how they can continue to to take us to the brink and still see the system um, advanced. It looks the illusion created shows that it, it is still advancing. That's what gets people confused. It, it doesn't really, you know, it's like one and one's not equaling two here, folks. No. And, and, and it's because of the misinformation that we receive from, and, and maybe too much information that's misinformation either by um, intent or accident or, or whatever. Um, that's how people get confused, and you're right. They, they they don't know what to do. They don't know whether they should buy a house, and, and, and what happens... Why should you sell? What should you do? And so happens, right. lots of times people stop. They stop living. I understand that. That's know. dangerous, and that's the sort and of that thing is. that put us into a depression, because instead of buying a house or selling a house, maybe we do nothing, just so I'm going to wait until things stabilize. And if you don't do something, we have less economic activity, the economy tends to slow, and that pushes us deeper into a depression. Let's take a break for some commercial announcements. Melody and I will be back in a moment on financial survival. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope 
complete instructions for maximum benefit, and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe, all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. Program is brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. What you got for us, Melody? We're going to continue the 2015 special, and uh, that will be a mint state 64, $20 state garden. And I went back and I did a comparison for that today. And I went back, and this is one we've been, or I've been following up on periodically and mentioning it on the program. Mint State 64 St. Gardens. Since February 9th, the coin is higher by $60, even though that same time frame for spot gold is down $84. February 9th, spot was 1238. I based it on spot today at 1154. That's $84 difference. And the Mint State 64 St. Gardens from that time is actually up $60. So uh, it's performing incredibly well. And um, so we've included that in the special today, along with 20 Silver Eagles, 2015. Um, a tube of silver eagles, 20 of those, and one one-tenth ounce gold eagle coin for your small fractional pieces. The special includes all your shipping costs, 
and that total is 2015 The Silver Eagles, these are incredible prices on these products. You're paying about $0.25 cents over wholesale. It's like you're buying a box of 500 I mean, these are priced incredibly small in order to fit these three coins into the 2015. So I had to do quite a bit of adjusting uh, in order to uh, do that. So it's a great special. That's why we call it a special 2015, 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. We've got, a, we've got something here that's special. National Aeronautic and Space Administration signals crisis. I'm reading the headline. California has about one year of water left. NASA scientists have already warned that California's groundwater supplies are at critical low points and threatening the food supply. The new nature climate change piece, The Global Groundwater Crisis by James Femmigetti, a leading hydrologist at the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory, warns most of the major aquifers in the world's arid and semi-arid zones that is, in the dry parts of the world that rely most heavily on groundwater, are experiencing rapid rates of groundwater depletion. They're not just talking about California. He's talking about the world, right? In the dry areas, they're running out of water. Now, I'm going to guess. I don't know. He doesn't say specifically in the article I'm reading that he's talking about the Middle East. But I, he says most of the uh, world's arid and semi-arid zones has to be the Middle East, has to be North Africa, I presume. What's going to happen if they run out of groundwater? Right. The most worrisome fact, the article continues, nearly all of these underlie the world's great agricultural reasons and are primarily responsible for their high productivity. We're not just talking about we're going to run out of water in the desert. We're talking about we're going to run out of water where a lot of food is grown. Data from NASA satellites showed that the total amount of water stored in the Sacramento and San Joaquin River basins, that is, all of the snow, river, and reservoir water, water in the soils, and groundwater combined, was 34 million acre-feet below normal in 2014. That loss is nearly one and a half times the capacity of Lake Mead, America's largest reservoir. <clears throat> Statewide, we've been dropping more, maybe in California. We've been dropping more than 12 million acre-feet of total water yearly since 2011. Roughly two-thirds of the losses are attributable to groundwater pumping for agriculture, uh, agricultural irrigation in the Central Valley. Haven't had enough rain. They have to rely more on uh, irrigation in order to grow the crops, and now they're running out of water. Farmers have little choice but to pump more groundwater during droughts, especially when the surface, their surface uh, water allocations have been slashed 80 to 100 percent. But these pumping rates are excessive and unsustainable. They're trying to pump enough water out of the ground to make up for the rain they're not getting. California is running out of water. Problems started before the current drought started at least. Uh, there's the loss has been ongoing since at least 10, 2002 when they started paying attention. California has only about one year of water supply left in its reservoirs. 
And our strategic backup supply groundwater is rapidly disappearing. California has no contingency plan except staying in emergency uh, mode and praying for rain. All this implies that a year or so from now, price of food is going to go up. Farms outside of California that have access to water may become increasingly profitable. Food shortages are at least possible, maybe likely. Food riots are unlikely, but they're not inconceivable. If we have a year before California runs out of water, it might not be a bad idea to use this year as an opportunity to establish your own garden or perhaps aquaculture operation. Not necessarily a bad idea. I mean, this implies that the price of food, the source of food, the supply of food is likely to be diminished you know, to some degree if, if California goes offline because it doesn't have enough water. Or the supply of food is going to go down. Price of food is probably going to go up. Not necessarily a bad idea to you know, get some seeds and whatever else you think you need and, and work on a garden this year where you can learn what you have to do keep that garden functioning properly. And by the following year, when maybe you're going to need the garden, maybe you'll know what you're doing. So are you going to be a gardener, Melody? Do you plan on doing any gardening here in the near future? Absolutely. And this is in uh, conjunction with the report that we talked about a week or so ago about how the government, the federal government, is withholding water to a lot of those farmers in the uh, uh, high produce areas of California, so certainly we'll see our produce certainly uh, to increase and uh, put that on top of uh, even hamburger increasing uh, 22% over in a year. Uh, food prices are, are certainly uh, rising, and uh, so it, it, it just adds to the importance of being prepared and being having your ability to grow, and if you don't have that, well, you know, getting the things that uh, um, that will help you through these difficult times and higher prices. And with higher prices, you, you're going to most likely see higher prices in gold. So that's why it's also important to preserve your wealth, your purchasing power. Either way, you need whether inflation, deflation, gold will work in both situations. I think somebody might be trying to, we're having some problem with the call-in. The call-in number's been changed recently. Someone's trying to call in. They might be calling into the previous number. We have a new and improved number, all right? This one is 855-566-377, or excuse me, 3738, 855-566-3738. So if someone's trying to call in, that was the one that should work properly. Um, well, I understand. Just, you know, things, things become increasingly difficult, and you can feel the circumstances tightening. You know, they're, not, they're not completely intolerable. They're not even close to being intolerable, at least not for most people. But at the same time, you can kind of feel tightening. You know, a little, get a little tighter. The the hands on your neck feel like they're just getting a little tighter, a little tighter, a little tighter, and we are headed toward a difficult time. An article here from uh, Reuters, dollar gallops to fresh highs, stocks and oil fall. 
The dollar continued to power higher on Friday, pressuring stocks and commodities on expectations of a Federal Reserve interest rate hike. I don't think that, that's not very soon. But stand in contrast to easing monetary policy actions by most other major central banks. What we have here is another illustration of they're just talking about the Peter Totter effect that goes on, particularly particularly in relationship to the U.S. dollar index. For those of you that kind of follow the U.S. dollar index and are familiar with it, it is a measure. It's a teeter totter. We've got the dollar on one end of the teeter totter, and we've got six other fiat currencies at the other end of the teeter totter. And when those six currencies, to the extent they on average lose value due to inflation, the dollar gains value and slides into deflation. When those six <clears throat> at the six currencies at the one end of the teeter totter gain value due to deflation, the dollar loses value due to inflation. There is a relative, that's what the U.S. dollar index does. It measures, it's a teeter-totter, compares the dollar, purchasing power of the dollar, purchasing power to seven or six other fiat currencies. <clears throat> and when things are, when they're creating inflation in the European Union, or they're trying to, it contributes to deflation in our country. Um, U.S. dollar index is on track for back-to-back weekly gain of more than 2%, setting up its strongest two-week performance in almost five years. In fact, the dollar has been going. It has shifted from merely a significant rise, where in the last three weeks or so, it's gone vertical. And I don't know how long that can be sustained, but it can't be sustained for long. The dollar is increasing its value, its perceived value, at an accelerating rate, and we'll watch and see how long that can be, how long that, how long that can be sustained. But increasing the value of the dollar is terrible for the government. It's terrible for dealing with the national debt. It's terrible for debtors. It's one of the hallmarks of an economic depression. When you go into deflation, that typically signals you are in or approaching an economic depression. And that's where that's where we appear to be, if you can believe the U.S. dollar index. The great surprise, of course, is why is the government not doing anything about this, at least so far? Because it seems to be contrary to the economy's interest, it's contrary to the government's interest, and that the government is allowing it to take place. This article continues, Mark Spellman, portfolio manager of Alpine's Equity Income Fund in Purchase, New York, said, what's different is the strength of the dollar is having an impact. The market doesn't know how to react, and that, to me, was the important point. We are increasingly in times where people are sitting around saying, what? What? The dollar is gaining value for most of our lifetimes. The dollar has been has lost value due to intentional institutionalized inflation that was intentionally caused, perpetrated by our federal government and the Federal Reserve. And now all of a sudden we've slipped into an era of deflation. Contrary to the debtor's interest, contrary to the interests of the of the of the economy, contrary to the government's interest in terms of paying off the national debt. Why is this being allowed? I don't we don't necessarily have I mean, it's strange, it, and it does not bode well. I can't understand why this has been allowed to take place for about eight months now. And here it is. 
I expect it to be stopped unless people in positions of power have an ulterior motive and they want to push this country closer to some sort of deeper into recession, perhaps even into depression. But we shouldn't, the government should not be tolerating, and talked about this last week and wrote about it in an article that was in uh, the American Survival Magazine that Melody puts out. Pointing out there's only two explanations for this. One is that the government intentionally wants more deflation. The second one, they're making it happen. They want it. Now, I can't understand why, but they want it. They're, they're in control. They have sufficient power. They want deflation. They intend to have deflation, and they're making it happen. The second explanation is that the government lacks sufficient power to stop deflation. Throughout my lifetime, they've tried to cause inflation. And they succeeded, generally speaking, generally kept it in the neighborhood of one half, two percent, although sometimes it went much higher. But they kept us away from deflation. That was always the enemy. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, what the heck? We're allowing deflation to take place the same way we allow illegal aliens to enter into this country. No one seems concerned. I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, this is a problem. This, you know, it's one of those things. You look at it, and you wonder... What's, what, what's happening here, Melody? Well, again, it's just a, another where a, a lot of things uh, just doesn't, uh, you know, in many manipulated markets and, and trying to think of what they want. And their time frames are certainly a lot different than our time frames. So uh, we do have a caller. Uh, he was able to get through. And uh, we have uh, Willard from Alabama. Well, Willard. Hey, we, yes, I've been listening since 2009 when it was Bob and Melody. So I want to play devil's advocate with you for a moment and hope you won't be offended. But in 2009, Bob was talking about, oh, everything's going to collapse. There's going to be rioting in the streets. Well, 2010, oh, everything's going to collapse. There's going to be rioting in the streets. And he's not unique, and you're not unique, because the whole shortwave seems to be based on that. And they're all selling something that you need desperately before everything collapses. So that makes me wonder. And the second thing is, I took your advice, Melody, bought a bunch of silver. Okay? Had it now for years and years, and I've lost my shirt. However, I am a long-term thinker like you uh, teach. But my question is, all of these uh, others and yourself, uh, these uh, gold and silver dealers, oh, fiat currency, fiat currency, not worth anything. You better get out. However, if you'll send us your fiat currency, we'll send you some real gold. And I began to think about it, and I said, wait a minute. There's a step in logic missing here, and I know that the general explanation is, well, we're trying to beat the system, and we'll make a profit, and you'll make a profit, and you'll be better off, and we'll move that fiat currency faster than you can to get rid of it for gold, and we can get more gold. Okay, that's logical. But after a while, and I've only been... Uh this well, let us, for, what, six years now, it does right. start getting kind of old and okay. loses its logical luster. All right, well, we're going to head to break. You stay on the line. We're going to head to break, and uh, we'll answer your questions when you when we come back.
If you have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wthepowerherbscom since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, and we are going to attempt to give a response to Willard from Alabama called in, and he's essentially saying, look, everybody's been arguing that the the, uh, end of the world is coming in pretty short order, and therefore you have to have whatever, you've got to have something, and based on that, um, it's been a sales pitch for a lot of people, and that's true, it has been, all right? We see coming economic problems and it has been a sales pitch for a lot of people. But that doesn't change the fundamentals. The only thing that we learn out of this is that so far nobody's been able to identify, put a date on this. Fundamentals haven't changed. We have a fiat monetary system. I've got one report here that I don't think any of them have ever lasted more than maybe four generations, 70 or 80 years. I've seen one article that we have on uh, that we might get to today. So as the fiat currency on average lasts 30 years, we have had a pure fiat currency since 1971. We're in over 40 years. We are due for some sort of a major change. All right. This is statistics in a sense. This is looking at history. This is people say those who don't listen to don't learn from history are destined to to repeat it. We're looking at history and we're saying we can't give you prophecy. We can only tell you the best that we can see at the time. And it's been unfortunate for everyone involved that we can't peer into the future and give you an absolute date, but we just can't, and no one else can either. But you still have to look at the fundamentals in my opinion. 
And if the fundamentals say this thing's going to blow up in everybody's face and not so long from now, well, what's not so long? Is it uh, before this fall? Is it in the next year? Is it in the next three years? I don't know when it's going to happen. I've never claimed to know when it was going to happen, but uh, I know that it has managed to survive. Systems managed to survive more so than I would have thought possible. Right? And I'm not the only one who's made that mistake, but it's just real. But it's still, but it's, the fact remains, kind of like I, we're, we're, again, we look at this, an objective observer can see we are on something that is similar to the SS Titanic. We're cruising through the icy waters. We're going running next to icebergs and one thing or another. It's a good time to hang on to your life preserver and stand next to a life boat because it looks to me as if we are in dangerous waters. And those people who don't believe we're in dangerous waters, well, you know, get your, uh, you don't need your life preserver and you don't need a lifeboat. What you need perhaps are some skis so you can water ski behind the boat. But I you don't know. think that's appropriate at this time. Well, Willard got into the market in 2009. A lot of things were happening in 2009. But I've been selling gold for a lot longer than 2009. And you're right, Al, the fundamentals, when you have a fiat currency, you buy gold and silver as an insurance policy. It's supposed to enhance your portfolio. Getting in in 2009, you had everybody and their brother get into the gold and silver market because it was an easy sell. They could make quick money. They lost their jobs in the stock market and in in, in being in financial planners and everything, and they were able to come, and they, and they started selling gold and silver differently. They promised silver, 100, 200, $800,000 numbers on silver, uh, on you know, the, the collapse of the COMEX. And, yes, these things were, you know, the COMEX, the collapse, the shortage of silver, yes, those things were all real. But they overlooked the true fundamentals, and that's what we're about. We are different than everybody else out there. We do stick to the fundamentals. You buy gold and silver as the insurance policy. We have a fiat currency. It is losing value. It has lost value. And those who have purchased over a long period of time have done well. Silver is always more volatile. But I'll tell you what, when some of the people coming into the market in silver at that time when it was pushing 50, all they wanted was silver. I couldn't explain the differences. I couldn't explain the fundamentals. So sometimes you get caught up in the emotion, and, you know, some things get thrown out the window. You buy on that emotion without truly understanding the fundamentals and having your portfolio positioned. With that said, yeah, you're right. The markets have been hammered. And, again, we do, it is manipulated. You buy long-term. You position your portfolio. Personally, my opinion, you will see gold and silver numbers go higher. We just have to stay weathered and focus on the fundamentals. That's why I get upset when I hear – every day I hear people call me and tell me, well, so-and-so said there's shortages in the market and the product. It's like, well, not today. That doesn't mean it's not a small, tight market where if you had a real situation that occurred, if 2009 occurred today with the increased amount of debt that we have, 
it would be far worse today than then. And, and, and to say that gold and silver couldn't disappear overnight, product, absolutely. It's a very small and tight market. So you've done well, and yes, it is disappointing to see gold, so particularly silver, go from 50 to where we're at today. But I do believe we'll see a turnaround. And hey, I always say, let's get to 50 in silver, and then we'll see where it's going to go. And you know, this is a step-by-step process. Markets change, particularly when it's manipulated. That's what you have to address. But stick with the fundamentals. And, and it's we, not we, a fundamental of people that will it should take into consideration. The price of gold is rising in virtually every country on the face of the earth. All the major currencies are inflating. Price of gold is rising over most of the surface of the earth, with the exception of the United States. And that's because the for reasons that seem inexplicable, our government is allowing deflation to take place, evidence of deflation to rise over the course of the last seven, eight months. All right? It's part of what we're dealing with here. So you can't just sit back and say the advice to buy gold was just bad. What was what was what's happened is it's risen around the world, but it's not rising here right now. Weigh it. You know? I mean, and one other point. You've got to make, you have to take responsibility for your own buying decisions. We're not telling you that a particular product at a particular time is absolutely the solution to all your problems. We are generally telling you, look, you've got to try to educate yourself, and you have to make a decision. What do you want to do? And for how long do you want to take this? Do you want to take, if you want to make an investment, or uh, you, know, you can make a fast buck and just buy it today and sell it tomorrow? You know, gold or silver, there's no point to it. Right? You need to get into something. If you're going to speculate, go into the stocks, maybe the bonds, whatever. But if you're looking for a long-term investment, you know, Warren Buffett has made that comment. He says he doesn't buy anything that he wouldn't be happy to keep for 10 years. Just put it in a box, set it off to the side, don't even look at it, open it up 10 years later and see what it's worth. That's Buffett's a, a fundamental part of his, his investing objectives, strategy. If you had to take one investment and put it in a box, say, okay, I'm going to put everything I've got, all the wealth I have, I'm going to put it into one stock, one bond, one commodity, one whatever, put it in a box, and I'll go, I won't look at it again for 10 years. What would you do? What would you put in that box other than gold? You know, it's a practical matter. You're not going to touch it. You can't buy more, can't sell more. 10 years sits in the box. What are you going to do? What are you going to do besides gold or perhaps silver? But in any case, Willard, we're, we're, you know, it's like everybody else is in this. Um, we're not just talking about it. It's not just a question of you made the point, you know, and we'll you take your fiat dollars. We take your fiat dollars, and what do we do with them? We buy gold for ourselves. Not only that, who pays for these programs? Why do you think we have such a small amount of advertisements on our program? goes in to pay for this program and many other uh, programs that I support. So a lot of those commissions that we get, I don't have any money bombs. I don't have any of this. A lot of it is, is basically is used out of commissions, which is basically out of my pocket that goes back into these programs. And, yes, there's bills to pay. There's power. There's employees. There is everything else. So, yeah, I can't uh, pay that with gold. So, yes, the, those fiat currencies get used. So, um 
We and still I'm, advise other people, and we follow the advice ourselves. Absolutely. Right. No, I mean, we, I'm not just saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not just, I'm not here just to promote gold so I can make a fat buck so I can buy a new Cadillac. What I'm doing with virtually with the, with the vast majority of my income is buying more gold. I just see this as a buying opportunity. I don't care if it goes down, fine. I don't like it, but it doesn't disturb me, all that tells me, because sooner or later, there's not a fiat currency in the history of the world that has lasted for long. And the reason for me to go into gold or silver is not because, I've said it before, it's not because they're shiny, they're metallic, whatever. That's not the reason I do this. I do this because I am convinced that the dollar has to give up the ghost and in my lifetime. And when it does, I expect to see the price of gold and silver. I expect to see those prices rise dramatically. You know, he mentioned about rioting. Well, I wanted to bring this up about German. Um, there was a rally over there. Protesters carried half German, half Russian flags. Uh, it's not a big deal, but it's something. It held signs that read, Stop Terror, Stop the New World Order. We want to live as free people in a free Germany. This was reports out of German media. The protests further condemned what they referred to as Germany's interfering in Ukrainian domestic affairs with NATO. Um, there was a former broadcast journalist for a German television channel, ARD. His name was Christoph Hostel, and he accused... Uh, Chancellor Merkel is supporting Nazis in Ukraine, demanding that she should be handcuffed and brought to trial in a court of justice to respond to questions regarding her government's role in escalating tensions. So, you know, people are getting tired, and these are signs. I mean, hey, look at Ferguson. Look at all these various places that are popping up. You know, people always thought it was going to be a financial that they'd be rioting, and that might come to pass. I've, I always said it was going to be a, a racial thing that's going to explode in the riots and bring things down, and we're seeing that. So you can have different types of riots and demonstrations and so forth, and, and you're, you're seeing these all around the world. People are getting, uh, you know. And you're going to see more of them. If and you're going to see more. the food supply is likely, to, if, if NASA is correct, and the water supply is being diminished for, for a significant number of agricultural producing areas, including California, you're going to see some people run out of groceries here. Their groceries will either be too expensive for them to afford, or they might not even have a supply that will be conducive. It won't necessarily cause riots, but it'll be one more thing, you know, where you get on, you get increasingly on people's last nerves, and all of a sudden, it's you know, something's going to set them off. Um, well, but we you know, live in difficult and perilous times. I don't think anybody can get around that. Unstable times, unpredictable times. What do you do? I mean, there's a certain amount of common sense. It's just look, I got to protect myself. How can I? What is sensible? Not a guaranteed deal, but what is sensible? What is most sensible under these circumstances? And I'm of the belief that one of the things that's most sensible is uh, precious metals. You know, we talk about Janet Yellen and her word patience. And I'll tell you what. You do have to be patient in the gold and silver market. It has been, you know, dragged across the mainstream media uh, like it's nothing but a piece of metal. It's a piece of junk. It doesn't mean anything. But yet more and more every day you're hearing it as used as a currency. And I'll tell you what, you ought to be thankful that we have this time because I don't think we're going to enjoy when we do have a true collapse. 
and when there is more rioting going on. So, you know, prepare not only with your finances, but with your food, your water. I mean, that's why we prepare. We don't know when things are going to happen. That's the importance of getting that insurance policy. And just be thankful that we have another day to prepare. Because when that day comes, you're going to wish you had another day. Well, one last thing, and that is, you know, the odds, if you want to calculate the odds on whether the dollar is going to last or gold's going to be a good investment, gold has a 5,000-year track record. The dollar, the fiat dollar, has a 40-some-year track record. What do you think is going to be valuable 10 years from now or 50 years from now or 100 years from now or 1,000 years from now? Fiat dollar or gold? All investments go up, all of them go down. You know, you have your you have your your problem, but you can't beat that track record for gold. Five thousand years, people have been treating it as money. They're not gonna treat the fiat dollar for as money for another five thousand years. That's not gonna happen. Let's see if we've got time to do some fast. I guess we're almost out of time, aren't we, Mel? Yes, and I wanted to talk a little Better bit more about are. Russia. Yeah, I wanted to talk We are. I wanted to talk a little bit more about Russia today. Uh, Putin was spotted just kind of like uh, Elvis, but uh, there's certainly tensions uh, ramping up, uh, military actions and so forth. But we'll get that to, to tomorrow. Okay, folks. I'm Alfred Adams here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll be back manana. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. <laughs> part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate in those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Or take your chances with the bad boys. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com.
As men get older, they are subject to hormone imbalance. And when this happens, men can experience osteoporosis, memory loss, irritability, blood sugar imbalance, weight gain, enlarged prostate, erectile dysfunction, and risk of stroke. The human endocrine system manufactures hormones. Why not feed your system plant nutrition to make the hormones that are right for you? For centuries, these herbs have been used to balance the male hormone system. Men, you've waited long enough for the male hormone formula. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663 for the male hormone formula. 866-229-3663 or online at thepowerherbs.com. 866-229-3663 where your healthcare options just became endless. If you have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom And um, and we're also going to be talking about let's see stomach ulcers and some well we'll see how the hour rolls see if we have more time to discuss other things and we have a quack report but don't forget coming up next Tuesday on the 17th Dr. Carly is going to be here yes Dr. Rebecca Carly our wellness expert in vaccines she's the expert in reversing vaccine induced diseases and she'll be back here Tuesday so I hope you can join us uh, if you want to check out our website we do have a banner that links to her website on our links page at thepowerherbs.com so you can just click on the link uh, the link tab and and look for her banner there all right big salute and semper fighter of righteous men and women in uniform i lift them up in prayer i'm lifting all of america up in prayer 
I'm seeking Lord's face as Isaiah 59 instructs, asking for justice and truth. I'm asking for a righteous men of valor with understanding and knowledge in the Lord's way to rise up and just lead this country back, 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 back to one nation under God. You know, that's where we're supposed to be, but we've gotten off track. So we got to repent. America needs to repent and seek the Lord's face. And he'll hear. He will heal the land, he says, if we do that. Remember Nivea? I was talking to my cousin about that today. You know, Jonah and the whale, that thing. Well, Jonah, he got a, he got a, a marching order from the Lord, go to Nivea and prophecy that if they don't repent and return to my ways, then in three days I'm going to destroy them. And, of course, Jonah didn't want to do that because, you know, Nivians, they were, they were, they were like enemies, and he wanted, he was worried he'd get stoned. So Jonah instead started to take – he decided, you know, I'm going to take this cruise over here, gets on a ship, and, of course, um, there, a, a great storm rises up, and the people on the ship figure he's the bad omen, and this is why they're, they have this storm, and they don't want to die, so they chuck his butt overboard, and then he gets swallowed by a whale – and he's in the belly of the whale three days, according to Scripture, and then the whale, you know, pukes him up on the beach of Nivea. The Nivians see this. And now if you're in the belly of the whale for three days, uh, you're exposed to a lot of digestive juices. And they start to eat away at your skin and cause it to turn blue. So this whale pukes out Jonah, and he's all blue, and the Nivians see this, and then he starts prophesying. That, you know, you need to repent, get rid of your eyes. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.